Here we go, everybody. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Where on Facebook should show up? It's uh, on Coco Talk channel. I already have the link here. And we are live streaming with this. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. It's time to drop your socks and grab your real-time clocks and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Good morning, everybody. Coming at you live from sunny Arizona, WNBC. Getting some feedback from somebody on the panel. So I'm... uh, I've been terribly muting, so if you could check your microphones. It's a little bit of a, a little bit of feedback there. Uh, but anyway, I will keep going. Uh, why, why make this a professional show now? Uh, Arizona is a land where uh, we don't care about stinking daylight savings time. Uh, we Smart do what, place. That's right. It's a fun place. We do what we want, and as long as it means hiding inside from the sun. Hopefully the rest of North America will follow next year from the rivers I'm here. Yeah, we don't observe it here either, but it's already had a skiff of snow here last night, so <laughs> not quite the same temperature. Well, you'll have to tell me someday uh, offline, Curtis, what snow is, so we'll, we'll figure that out together. Well, we've got a a panel of luminaries today. I think since we're in Arizona and streaming from Arizona, I think we should start with a man who is legendary and is frequently referred to as the Timberman. And throughout the show, we're going to be talking a little bit about the uh, inside jokes and comments and names, nicknames that we've given to various folks in the community. Um, one of those is uh, Timberman, and maybe Ron can explain how that how that got started and why I can uh, why it is that I can see you from my window, Ron. We gotta we gotta talk about these issues. How are you doing? You're on mute. Okay. Well, <clears throat> uh, Timberman is a actual game, and a uh, little character in there has a beard, and uh, hey, I fit it. Perfectly. And um, 
You know what? In Arizona, we have to have water all the time because uh, right now on my little clock, it says our um, humidity is at 11 and we live in a desert. That's and, right. And for a timber man, you could uh, understand that if you don't have water, soon you don't have sanity, which uh, we all share here. Sanity. Absolutely. <laughs> to one degree or another. Well, sand anyway, right? Now, Ron, I've heard one of the hottest Halloween costumes this year will be the Ron Delvo slash Timberman beard. Yes, if you get a chance to go to Ron's Garage on the Facebook, I have uh, Steve Stroh's little uh, excerpt from our a couple of shows back where he uh, had the Ron Delvo beard that you could accessorize yourself with and then uh, join the show and fit right in. Be the envy uh, of your neighborhood. Yes, it is, and we're looking to have uh, a female join us soon, and uh, maybe she could uh, actually don the beard and join us and uh, enjoy. Wouldn't that be great? Hmm? That'd be amazing. That would be. We're going to have a great show today. I hope you guys tune in. Stay tuned in for the seven hours of fun that we have. And also, Timberman is a character and a game created by Paul Thayer with uh, some members of the community uh, and that's a game that's a clone uh, been on a, a lot of popular systems so check it out from Paul Thayer I believe it's either free for the digital version or five dollars if you want the uh, PDF of the instruction manual so if somebody wants to uh, maybe Marco can post the link and how they get in touch with Paul Thayer for that since we're I'll talking about Timberman you, you can also get a little SD card with it too which is really slick yep I have one right here. Oh, very cool. I didn't know that. There you go. Oh, I bought mine digitally. Which... See? You went cheap. Oh, yeah. I got the SD card version at Coco Fest. So we'll have to get uh, Nick Morota someday over to Coco Fest. Maybe for the 40th anniversary. Somebody will kidnap Nick Morota and take him to the show. Hey, that's the way to get there. I'd, I'd, I'd go. I'd, uh, I'd be a willing victim. <laughs> a man as long as my, kid, as long as my kidneys are still intact when I wake up. <laughs> well, you've got two. So, oh, that's uh, true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Except for my sister has three. <laughs> three. She was born with three. Yep, three. Count them. Three. Really? Seriously? Yeah, really. Wow. Okay. A yeah, man who has never nice. been accused of kidnapping... Our resident uh, technical consultant and occasional streaming host, Mark B. How are you? Hi. Pretty good. Great. Anything, uh, any quick updates that we should loop back to you on? Uh, no, not for me. Just trying to get through another week. But you know, uh, this is the last show before Halloween. Uh, we should have wore our costumes. Yeah, that is that is true. Well, maybe you can for yourself. A... See, the joke would be, I thought you guys already were. <laughs> I've got mine on. Exactly. Yeah, pretty horrific, isn't it? <laughs> Nick, Nick's on fire tonight. <laughs> well, this morning, whatever we want to call it. So, yeah, YouTube was a little fuzzy to begin with, but it's uh, getting better now. Yeah, it's going it's it's going in and out, uh, and could be something to do with uh, my connection over here in Arizona. Um, but I do see it, it's sharp now, and I did see it was it was fuzzy about 
two minutes yeah, ago. Beginning. Yeah. But fuzzy makes us look so much younger. It certainly does. <laughs> we call it soft focus. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it saves me the trouble of uh, having to smear Vaseline on this uh, camera up here. Mm. This, this is a retro show, too. So. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Fuzzy. Fuzzy is not unheard of. <laughs> Occasionally, we like to pay attention to those other communities that have that inferior 6502 chip. And when we need that information, <laughs> we go to our resident 6502 expert, Mark D. Overholzer. How are you, Mark? Thank you. I'm glad to be here today. And Ron reminded me about the Armatron, so I have mine perched on top of my Apple II. Mm-hmm. Ooh, there it is. Oh, oh look at that. Oh, there we go. Had, had that thing for 30-some years now. Is it still fully functional? Not fully functional. It does go forward and backward. It doesn't like to turn, though. So. Oh. I, wonder I, if I saw gears, a video on fixed one of those. I wonder if, that, if the gears that break in that thing all the time, if someone could 3D print those. I don't think it's broken, actually. I think it's the controller. The wired controller, I think uh, the mm. buttons or something are not working quite right. Okay, well, we might hear hear more from you on... Uh, Maybe it was the 8-bit guy who fixed one. I know I saw a YouTube video on some. We, we might hear more from Mark uh, in a bit on some 6502 news. And uh, moving to our right, we have frequently said the words Nick Morota so many times, I sometimes wake up in the... Middle of the night with a cold sweat. I don't know what that means, Nick, but uh, I know you like hearing your name, so we're going to say it again. Nick Morota is on the panel. Yes, I'm forever the egotistical likes to hear his own name guy. And that's how it got started, right? Uh, uh, I believe about a year ago you were on the chat, and uh, uh, Stevie started saying your name, and you said something like you liked... You liked hearing your name being spoken by the panel, and that was all Stevie Stroh needs to make it into a meme. So uh, enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> <laughs> a teeny tiny update. I wrote a little program running behind me just to wet my chops on the basic again. So I did the classic mystify Windows screensaver-like thingy. Soon to be on sale. Yeah, yeah. It'll be on uh, $59.95 at all fine retailers near you. All right. I don't have any oh. fine retailers near so me. I want to get back into programming again. So I've been sort of, sort of uh, fooling around and just kind of like I now, did back in the day. That's about a buck per line, isn't it? On the cover of your um, program, will it say Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Nick Marota? Of course. That, that's near my company, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> now we'll just call it Nick Marota Cubed for short. Say it thrice. <laughs> my stock symbol will be NMX3. All right, well, the man that puts professional in a professional show, we've got professional musician David O'Connor from Down Under. David, you're, you, you're really uh, visualize, visually representing that it's not easy to be green, is it? <laughs> I guess you nickname God. What might I take on the nickname Kermit or something like that, maybe? Kermit the Coco. <laughs> That's on your nose there, uh, David. It's a bit of green cocoa-ness. <laughs> you know, yes. he really is green, though. He's uh, coming to us via solar. That's right. That's right. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that is very yeah, true. Everything's running on, things are running on batteries at the moment. Not only last. that, but he's from tomorrow. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> David, since, you're, since you are in the future, do you have any uh, news that we should loop back to you on? Any news? Oh, um, 
I was going to be demonstrating a, a new game that uh, Stevie Stroh has is, is, uh, been playing around with the uh, Coco VGA characters with, but he hasn't sent me a copy yet, so I'm guessing it ran out of time. So uh, Okay. That's, why, that's one of the reasons I've got the Coco display on the background there. Um, but we'll see if he sends it to me during the show. Maybe he's uh, been tied up. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, we might need your help on the Coco VGA. Uh, the brand new game for the Coco VGA uh, has come out. Uh, Brian, the music man... Speaking of musicians, how are you doing? Ah, the voice from the pit. Is my voice real deep again? <laughs> yeah, um, you really should see a doctor about that. He's uh, a member of the Sith. Is that any better? Oh, much better. <laughs> the, the, Sith, the Sith have gone home. <laughs> yes. Anything, uh, anything you want to point out, uh, Brian, or any uh, updates we should come back to you later in the show? Uh, no real updates in that. Uh, last time I was on, just I had just reconfigured my rack a little bit um, of equipment. I'm going to make sure that. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. The family exactly. show. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and that just uh, got things a little bit reconfigured so that a little bit more logical and uh, less uh, wall warts to power all of my units and all that. So, were you Otherwise, having, not, were you having uh, trouble with the uh, power going down as you turn things on? Or? Uh, I had in the past, <laughs> but it just made things a lot easier just to have it all, everything in the rack and uh, found out that my uh, uh, preamp is just the right size where I could put those uh, some plates on the side and mount it into the rack also so that everything's together. So... Everything else is uh, just pretty much uh, par usual. What preamp are you running there, Brian? It's a uh, an older uh, BNK components. Uh, it's a PT3 series too. Oh, cool. Okay, picked well, we... at, I picked that up at uh, was it um, the Goodwill for three bucks when it oh, was you can't new. Complain about that. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was three bucks. And uh, I researched it brand new. It was like almost 600 bucks U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, huh. nice. All right. Well, uh, we have a special guest uh, coming up on our next introduction. But before I get to that, I just want to cover the what's in the chat. Um, we've got uh, we're saying hello to Peter Willard, who responded to my test message. Terry Steen says, Roger, Roger. Uh not sure if he plays Star Wars Battlefront, uh, Terry. Um, Mark Overholzer says hello. Peter Willard, Nick Moroda, Nick Moroda. Al Hartman's is seeing fuzzy, and we're not sure if it's uh, the drugs or my streaming quality. We'll find out. Uh, just kidding, Al. Tim Franklin, Nick Moroda. Uh, Tim Franklin says you can fix the blue screen of death by changing palette number 10. Uh, <laughs> make it make it a green screen of death. <laughs> and uh, uh, Al Hartman, Nick Morota, Retro Innovations reminding us that today's the B team for Coco Talk, and certainly that's an upgrade from our usual team. Yay. So thank you to <laughs> Jim Brain at Retro Innovations, Tim Franklin. Uh, thank you again. No comment. <laughs> have great troll. Boy, when I think of fuzzy video, I, I think of a Commodore 64, Jim. So I don't know. Uh, 
Curtis Boyle says hello. Terry Steam and Matchy is in the live chat. And I'm going to test out my sound effects here. Uh-oh. And it's... There we go. Coming up next, a man who knows a little sump... Who definitely knows how to spell OS9. He can even spell Basic 09. He created a game, an amazing game called Gem Quest. He has, to my knowledge, not been on the panel of Coco Talk. We've got Floyd Rizzler. Hi. Hey, Floyd. Hey. Thanks for having me on. You were awful and, loud. Oh. I was robbed of his awful loud. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> okay. It was almost undecipherable. Oh, okay. Well, that, that that's, usually, that's usually how I'm... Uh, but we're driven like crazy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay, well, maybe I'll tone that down next time. All right. Now, what's his name again? <laughs> Floyd <laughs> Rizzler. Oh. That was an awesome introduction. Thank you, Floyd. And uh, thank you for creating Gem Quest, which is a great oh, game. I thank know, you. I know we've got And some... Mine Rescue and a bunch of others, too. A lot of OS9 games from back oh, in the day. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, and, and what we usually do is keep moving on the panel here, Floyd. How is your schedule so we can kind of get more into your background and um, what oh. you're doing today? Do you have to go anytime soon? I'm here till you guys are done at four. I was the time frame I was given, so that's what I blocked out for. Okay, good. So we will cool, cool. We'll definitely come back and talk a little bit about what you've been up to and where you've been uh, over you know, your history in the community. All right. All right. I got one quick question for you to move on. Can anyone guess who my favorite football team is? The Packers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the, the big helmet behind me. It's That's the, the Colts, isn't it? The Horses. Yes. Ah, the Cowboys. <laughs> uh, no, that'd be a star. <laughs> and, the, and the horseshoe is up so that the luck doesn't run out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> However, Floyd, they should have told you four-ish. How are they doing? <laughs> oh, yeah. And we'll we probably didn't mention we'll what time zone because... either, so. Since <laughs> I don't follow them, how are they doing? Oh, they're four and two right now. Oh, okay. Number one in the AFC South. All right, well, we'll experiment a little bit with this drum roll from a different position. That's still pretty loud. There's a man. He lives in O, Canada. Talking He's... about you, Nick. <laughs> I've already gone. This man has cured Stevie Strobridge of insomnia by talking about OS9. Puts him right to sleep. <laughs> the L does not stand for loquaciousness, but he'll talk he'll talk about OS9 if you ask him. The creator and developer of Ease of Use Edition. A man. I'm, I'm out. I'm out, Curtis. That's all I could think of. <laughs> Sorry. How you doing? <laughs> I prefer to think of it with Stevie Straw of induced a coma as opposed to cured insomnia. <laughs> a man who created Ease of Use Edition primarily for one Australian game developer that shall not be named. <laughs> Until right now. <laughs> How are you, uh, Curtis? And yeah, you've got a lot of news today is what I understand. Yeah, I actually just updated the news here just because we had some last-minute, you know, stuff that just ticked in literally after the show started and uh, just as the show was starting. So the, there's a few bits and pieces in there, yeah. Okay, well, we'll, we'll definitely come back to the news. I think we're, we're going to loop, loop around and uh, 
uh, talk to Floyd and talk to Chet uh, and uh, and then get to news. Uh, Simon Jonasson is here, the the man who wowed us at Coco Fest with his 128k disc-based amazing demo, and has continued to uh, push the Color Computer 3 uh, hardware uh, to its limits. Currently creating with Paul Thayer a uh, game called Run Dino Run. Ladies and gentlemen, Simon Jonasson. How are you, Simon? Yeah, I'm good, but uh, Run Dino Run was Paul Fiscarelli. Ah, thank you. I get my Pauls confused. It's all, yeah. They're all the yeah. same person to me. Yeah, we uh, should just hint that one of them should change their name to make it easier. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Paul Fiscarelli, <laughs> if you're out there, apologize. Run Dino Run, Paul Fiscarelli, uh, with a little bit of help from Simon. Now, as a bit of a teaser, I will say Simon is working with Paul on another game that we saw at the Festa, if you were by their booth. That's uh, right. Last year. And I won't mention too much more because I don't know how much of that is public at this point. Uh, no, you can probably show it if you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> Simon graced us with his presence at Coco Fest this year, too. which I was Yes. Uh, no, no, no. You graced me with sending me there. Yeah, we even actually gave you a return ticket, which we almost didn't do to Nick Marinti's. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I love you too, Curtis. <laughs> well, I just wanted to keep you here to help us all do this programming stuff here. We didn't want to have to. I was going to say, that would have told Nick Marinti's we want him to stay here, and that's the wrong message. <laughs> and and since we're talking about in, uh, and I'm going to move to somebody else who has three names, but since we're talking about... Um, in jokes and and uh, references in the community, uh, would you like to remind us, Curtis, what it what does the L stand for? Lauren. Lauren. Yeah. L O R N E. You betcha. I didn't even know that. All right. Kind of like Lauren Shirley. Green. Okay. You learn so same you same as my dad's first day. name and a <laughs> lot of the government stuff here, like your driver's license stuff, has screwed up us before because there was two Lauren Boyles both in the same city, so they you know give each other licenses of the wrong address and stuff. They kept screwing it up. So I just started going by L Curtis instead. Solve the problem. Yes. Well, uh, I use, I go by my middle name as well. And, and many others do. Uh, I just don't have a cool first initial. So uh, uh, it does, wouldn't sound right. Uh, but a man who does have a cool first initial, uh, a gentleman who created a game called Forest of Doom that took approximately 35 years to release his next game will be released in 2078. The man. <laughs> <laughs> the musician. The singer. A, 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 a person who once created a cover of a of a elevator-based song. D. Curtis there? Boyle. I mean D. <laughs> <laughs> D. Bruce Moore. How are you, Bruce? That's Lord uh, Bruce Moore. Yeah, no, no. It's it's David is the first David. name. Yes, yes, David. And it is David. I'm good. It is David. Yeah. Yeah, we need more Davids. Oh yeah. Yeah, not en not enough Davids in here. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, just, so just call me Bruce. Just call me Bruce then, okay? That sounds like a movie title. Bruce was the name mm. of my imaginary friend when I was a kid. <laughs> no, no, that was me. And uh, <laughs> got me in a lot of trouble, man. <laughs> you know it. There was a group in Canada on fire. Yeah, there was a group of comedians in Canada called Kids in the Hall. They had a song called "These Are the Daves I Know." So I think I've almost got enough to uh, 
to uh, cover that song. Uh, and Bruce, Bruce, I know you. I knew you had a tight schedule today, uh, or you we weren't sure if you're going to be on. So how how are you doing right. um, with time? Uh, uh, we'll see. You're okay I, I at the moment. Anything. Yeah, I'm okay at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Um, wanted to uh, introduce. Uh, our next guest, a game developer who uh, told us about, has uh, certainly uh, been busy and very prolific lately. A man who proves that uh, a a sequel can be even better than the original. A creator of one of the best game levels ever in the history of, for, of the color computer called Not the Batcave. The writer, developer, creator of Digger 3... Chet Simpson, how are you, Chet? Good morning, everybody. I'm good. How are you doing? Doing well. Good, Chet. Good. Awesome, awesome. Good Glad to you, be man. here. Uh, great. Well, we're gonna. I know we're gonna have an update from you and perhaps some uh, information on new levels, right, for Digger Three, mm -hmm. and you've got some visuals to show us. Uh, today. Yeah, I've got yeah, I've got some of the stuff that I've been working on over the last couple of weeks. Finally, uh, finally ready to to show off. So it's uh, it'll, it'll be some good updates. Okay, so we might use that for the game on segment, a very popular mm -hmm. segment on the show. Um, and speaking of game on, uh, a man who has created many games for the color computer, uh, a person who complained so so loudly and consistently about OS9 that we've got to create an entire new edition <laughs> from down under Nick Morentes How are you Nick? Nick's muted. He's <laughs> muted. Oh, it's 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 actually a dream come true. Finally, somebody <laughs> shut up Nick Morentes. <laughs> Here I am. Sounds no, better just, that way. Yeah, I didn't want to, uh, my snoring to uh, interrupt. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can and hear it all the way down here in, in South Australia. <laughs> a secret thing, too, is that EOU actually stands for ease of under for down under. So, <laughs> Nick, uh, do you, will you have updates today? I know we want to talk to Floyd and we want to talk to Chet about their uh, game development. Uh, do you have any Gunstar or other things that we should uh, make sure to come back to you on? I've got a fair bit done with uh, Gunstar, but probably not to the point where I'm ready to announce anything. So, yep, yeah, go go with uh, Chet and Floyd uh, today. Okay, okay. Well, we'll look back. Perhaps uh, feel free to chime in at any time. Um, what I'd, a little bit of what I'd like to do is, Curtis, if it's okay with you, you have a, um, a history with the OS9 development, uh, GemQuest. You're familiar with uh, Floyd's uh, catalog of work. Um, kind of how you got into the color computer, Floyd, and then, Kurt, if you can chime in with some, perhaps some uh, more intelligent questions than I would have, um, that would be appreciated. Sure. Um, but, Floyd, um, you know, what is your history? I know you from GemQuest. Uh, you've made other games. Uh, what, how do we, uh, where did you begin with the color computer, and how did you get into OS9 and the color computer 3? Uh, I assume you started, like most of us, with uh, color computer 1 or 2. I started with the two. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was all because of a tape drive. <laughs> yeah, that's because uh, my choice was the Commodore 64 or the Tandy ah. Color Computer 2. And the Tandy Color Computer could use any tape uh, player to record on. And the Commodore required their own special one. So 
And you could also load a game in in less than a decade. So that was kind of handy. (laughs) 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 That was the deciding factor. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, when I... um, when I saw the, my very first game, which was actually on an uh, Apple II, maybe, I thought, I want to learn how to do that. I want to learn how to program. And so when, when I booted up my Tandy Color Computer II and there, was, and there was basic right there, right in front of me, I knew I had the machine for me. And so I started writing stuff. And with, uh, as far as OS 9, I avoided it for a while. And then eventually, I'm not sure what drew me into it. It's like I just decided to try it. And then once I tried it, the only thing I used uh, the um, basic for was uh, to um, boot up uh, OS 9. And was to play some Coco games. Two? Was level one? Yeah, did you, did you fiddle with oh, level no, one? Oh, no, I never. I, um, I didn't go into OS 9 until I got my uh, Coco 3. So then you were level two. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm assuming you probably started when you had 512K, just because 120K is a little bit painful. I had 10 meg. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I mean, on the, on the RAM. <laughs> I know. I was joking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, nowadays, we've had actually gone past 10 meg already on some really? cases. So, oh, wow. Yes. Bob Barton's had it up to 64 meg, I think. Wow. Mm. That's impressive. I used to uh, run a BBS uh, in the 512K under OS 9 level 2. Ribs? Uh, no, actually, it was uh, one I, I created. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was called the Realm Adventure System. It was a whole adventure text game that was a BBS. Oh, cool. Yeah, I don't think was, I ever logged into that one. It was part-time. Um, I couldn't afford a dedicated phone line. <laughs> now, in your, when I was when I was poor. <laughs> <laughs> in, in your OS 9 programming, like I know you've done multiple games. You did Gem Quest, uh, Dungeon mm-hmm. Depths, um, yeah. Mine Rescue... I'm probably forgetting some other ones. Um, most of those were written in Basic 9, is that correct? Yes, they all were. Yeah. Did you ever dabble with doing assembly or C stuff as well? Or no, was it just I left Basic 9 the, easier to use or what? I left the assembly up to my friend Steve, who uh, wrote a nice little module for me that allowed me to do the, uh, the overlays. So I could put a character on top of something else and let the background show through. So oh, okay. he wrote an assembly, assembly language module for me uh, to handle that. And that's Steve, what's his last name? Crump. Okay. And we have actually attended, uh, it's been several years ago, we attended the Cocoa Fest, and uh, we gave to the club all of our old Cocos, uh, Cocoa equipment, uh, software, hardware, for the auction that year. And now you're trying to get it all back? <laughs> yes. I want, I want it back. <laughs> Give it back to me. I need it now. <laughs> now, are you controlling uh, the using the cocoa to control the train set back there? Oh, no. Not a bad idea. I thought, <laughs> I thought using a uh, Raspberry Pi to do it, but that'd be kind of cool to use a cocoa for that. Who wants to give me one? <laughs> 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 Where are you? Mason, Ohio. Oh. Home of so, so out of curiosity, how did you get back into Like you said, you sold all your stuff off, so I'm mm-hmm. assuming you were kind of leaving the cocoa world behind at that point. Yeah. Uh, how, did, how did you get involved back with the community again? Uh, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> it was just me when I, when I sent you that message on Facebook. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How, how uh, long ago? Um, when was a few that? months, that was, I think. Right yeah. There? Summer? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I got that message and 
said, are you the Floyd wrestler used to write games for the for Coco 3 and OS 9? I said, yep, indeed I am. I'm the same, that person. Do you have yeah, because I remember downloading them from CompuServe back in the day when I was oh, yeah. still active on CompuServe too. So One of my games actually wound up in CompuServe magazine. Oh, I it didn't was, know that. Uh, Which one? It was the Dungeon Depths. It was the RS-DOS version, though. But it was uh, Dungeon Depths. Oh, cool. They didn't mention me, but <laughs> but, but it, <laughs> there was a little tiny article about it, which was kind of cool. Wish I would have kept it. Yeah, I have some of my CompuServe magazines, but I probably don't have too many of them, so I got rid of a lot of them. So, Basica 9, what was your what was your impressions on that when you first started with it? Did you use, like, the GFX2 module? Mm-hmm. Like, I know there's one that came with OS 9 that has a lot of the basic stuff, but I know Kevin yeah. Darling had released an updated version, which added yeah, you know, support GFX for multi-view too. and everything else, too. Yeah. Did, you, did you use the more advanced version that was released, or...? Uh, I don't remember. I know I used GFX2. I actually wrote my own, too. I wrote uh, GFX5, that I called it. And, and it had its own, had a menuing system, and I went to a uh, computer show in Atlanta one year and uh, went up to this one machine. And I saw it, I saw it actually running on the machine. And uh, I said, that looks kind of familiar. And the guy said, oh, yes, yeah, GFX5 written by Floyd Ressler. I said, oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's a few extensions back in the day. So I remember seeing GFX5. I think you and Sean Dris- Driscoll probably did the most of the, uh, the add-on GFX. He did his whole GUI library thing, too. Mm. So we, had, we had several standards coming around then. Did you save any of your floppies? No. No, that was it's my sad. first question for him too, Ron. <laughs> now, yeah. I, now, to get more into modern Although times, sure, you've been... I'm, oh, go I'm, ahead. Sure that, go I'm sure that someone has some... They probably wound up in what we donated. It got auctioned off a few years ago, so someone may actually have them. <laughs> hmm. I, actually, if Brian Schubring's still on the call, if, do you guys have a record of who bought the stuff at the auction? Because I wouldn't mind tracking that down to see if we can try to get some of the old source back rather than having to decompile it all. I don't know if he's still on or not. The decompiler did pretty good. It was just the variable names, of course, are, are meaningless. I was muted. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, Brian, do you guys have records of who would have got that stuff at the auction? Um, Gator might. Uh, Tony probably would also. I don't recall. What year was this? Uh, that was, what, about three years ago? Oh, no, it was uh, probably, um, let's see. It's been several years ago. It's been probably about eight or nine. It's been, a, it's been quite a while. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Can always uh, ask Tony that. And speaking about bulletin boards and that, um, Tony and I, I want to try to get a hold of his hard drives. I'm going to try to uh, using my SCSI system uh, rebuild it and uh, get it onto an SDC card, both of the drives, and uh, see if we can reconstruct his bulletin board system. Cup of cocoa. Cool. One thing I want to try with. Uh with digging back into my code is actually um, I wrote a, a Mac utility for, for a front end for MAME uh, for getting files off of an image and putting it back on. So I want to try to write, alter the code in a modern text editor, which would be a lot easier than the basic O9 editor and put it back on and 
see what happens. It may blow up or it may actually work. I don't know. I'll, I'll know when I try. <laughs> now, I know one of the reasons I originally got a hold of you is because I was trying to run some of your, your old games in modern Nitrous 9, and I was having some issues with it crashing and stuff and doing weird things. And I know you've been working on disassembling and uh, decompiling, I mm -hmm. should say, the uh, the source code for some of your stuff. How has how that progress been going? I haven't actually had a chance to talk to you about that in a while. Uh, slowly. Uh, I haven't had a chance to uh, dig into it yet. I have, you know, job, side clients that kind of demand my time. But I'm really excited to get into it, though, once uh, once things slow down for me. Okay. And another thing I wanted to, to check in with you, too, because I remember when I was working on Nitrous 9 back when it was still commercial, which was around 2000, when it was the 2.0, 2.01. And we'd done some of the major graphics speed, especially for the six through nine chip. I know some of your games, Mine Risk in particular, I remember, was actually starting to run too fast. It was really hard to stop with it running really? in the water and stuff because <laughs> the graphics routines had sped up so much. And you'd kind of based your code on what the original, you know, Christmas graphic patches ran on. So uh, I don't know if that's something we'll need to adjust because I've actually sped them up more since then. So. <laughs> I, I might enable you to get some of your games to you know run with some new features and stuff that you'll oh, yeah. have more time for. And yeah, but at the very least we'll need to patch some of them to slow them down a little bit. So now have, have you uh, been just work have you, like you've been decompiling? Have you been working on all of the games that you did? And did I list them all? Like I, the three that I remembered? Is there more than that that I'm forgetting? Oh, uh, there was also one I think I, I think I called it Magic Stones. Right. Yes. Yeah. That was based on a uh board game called Mage Stones. Yeah, because that one I had running under Nitro Stein, and it works until you have to place your own stone in that middle column, and then it just exits up with a, no error at all. So I got to figure really? out what the heck's going on there. Hmm. Yeah, and it didn't do that That's with two two point oh one back in the day. So something's changed in in between. I would think that should should be pretty easy to track down. See yeah, I've, I've started decompiling that one, but we'll we'll see how that goes because I just haven't had time to do it the last three months. But uh, actually, that might may be a good one for me to start with uh, to. Uh, to figure it out because that was a much simpler game to program than well okay Jim i can send Quest. you the, the source that it decompiled as far as i got i haven't yeah. finished it but there's a good chunk of it done yeah please do okay hey what do you think of all the uh new innovations that we've had on the coco the uh, mpi the sdc pga were you surprised to see all this stuff or yeah <laughs> 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 yes, very much so. I mean, I think it's uh, it's great that there's a community that still supports this uh, this machine, which had such a big impact uh, in my early programming life, and uh, and I was just uh, I just thought it was just dying out, but but it's great that uh, you know here we are, what thirty some years later, and there's still a strong following for it, and the software being developed, hardware being developed, and and uh, it it warms my heart <laughs> that awesome. uh, that that's going on. And this has been a nostalgic year for me because uh, in September I went to a convention in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, for Space 1999. <laughs> I don't know if any of you uh, remember that TV series back mm -hmm. from aired seventy five to seventy seven, starring Martin Ban uh, Martin Landau and Barbara Bain, but uh, but it's a uh, it's really cool that I got to meet some of the, the stars of it. And so that and went and was meeting all you guys on here and talking Coco stuff. I mean, it's been a very nostalgic year for me. Cool. 
So you you said you're planning on trying to get some hardware again. Is that because of all the new hardware expansions and the fact you can run SD cards and stuff like that, or or did you would you when I first contacted you were you planning on just strictly sticking with the emulator or? I'm probably just sticking with the emulator, although it's annoying because I can't get the arrow keys to work. And someone posted recently that they had the same problem and there doesn't seem to be a fix for it in uh, in OS nine. Uh, Is this with BCC the, or MAME? MAME. Okay, yeah, the, I've got uh, the arrow keys working, so I'm not sure what's... Really? Okay. I have never been able to get them to work. I can't get uh, the uh, left and... I think... Uh, or is it... No, it's a right and down work, but left and up do not. And no matter what I configure it, I can never get it where I configure the arrow keys on number pad or some other key. I can't ever get it to work. Mac or PC? Mac. Well, yeah, and I'm running on a Mac too, so that's that's weird. Hmm. Add well, some of your configuration file. Yeah, I'll take a look. Now, I don't. Well, at I least a four- the back arrow. Oh, good. Go ahead, David. At least, if, at least if the back arrow isn't working, you can't accidentally delete entire lines. Control H works. It works okay for it works. Yeah, it works okay for. It's when you're trying to emulate the joystick. Is uh, is the issue. Oh, okay. So yeah, if you're that's... just doing typing on the shell, it works fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, just... that works fine. Yeah, it's emulating joystick. So I want to get in my code and actually make it to where it will work with just uh, keys instead of a uh, joystick input. Actually, the best person to talk about Mac MAME stuff would probably be Tim Lindner because he's actually one of the developers of the Cocoa side of MAME. Oh, okay. So he's quite familiar with that stuff. He might be able to help you better, probably better than I would. I just got it help configured it years ago, and I've just left it that way. So... <laughs> And Floyd, are you on uh, the Discord server? Uh, nope, I have no idea what that is. So. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Curtis, maybe we should uh, get Floyd invited so he, ha- he can ask technical questions in the Discord server. Yeah, we've got a Basic 9 section, an OS 9 section, a Nitrous 9 EOU section, so there's a, there's a lot of things that you might be interested in there. Um, I think we can post that actually in the, in the chat. Uh, I don't know if Mark... If you have a moment, um, Marco, if you could post that, that'd be great. The invitation link. Now, you said you had a friend that was doing some of the machine language subroutines mm-hmm. for your assignment. Or was it assignment? Uh, Steve. Steve. Steve, Steve, sorry. Yep. Um, did, was it because he already knew it that you just never got interested in doing that yourself? Or did it just yeah. seem too complicated to you? Or Both. <laughs> so probably a combination of laziness. and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Steve and I met because of the uh, of the color computer. We were both attending uh, Cincinnati Bible College at the time, and he walked past my room and saw on my desk a, a co- the Coco Two, and he had a Coco One. So he said, "Is that a color computer?" I said, "Yeah," and so that's how we met. And you guys still keep in contact even mm-hmm. after you sold them all off. Yep. Has he expressed any interest in maybe rejoining even on the emulator scene? Just to I don't know. I'll have to ask. Yeah, it'd be kind of interesting to get him back in and get to get your team together again and maybe make some new games too is once we get all the old ones fixed up. Yeah, he was he wrote that, but I did the bulk of the programming, but he also had a lot of good ideas. So he was he was a little bit of the programmer and the idea man, and I was the implementer. Okay. And I know you had some pretty decent, you know, drawn graphics for like the tiles and stuff for all your games too. So was that you you or is that, that him or a combination? No, that, that was, was me. I could actually do pretty good when the, when it's only eight bit color, yeah, or sixteen bit. As soon as it got beyond that, I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't draw the graphics very well. But thankfully, I have a uh, 
an artist buddy who I've been working on an iOS version of the Dungeon Depths, and uh, and so he's done the graphics for me on that. Oh, is that still in development, or is that already on sale? No, or is it's still, it a it's still in development. And if anyone would like to be a beta tester, uh, send me a private message, and I can add you to the beta testing, and I can release a new version. Okay, is that going right to be exclusively most, iOS, or are you also going to make like an Apple TV release, or yeah, what are they calling it now, iPad OS release, or whatever? Yeah, it's right now. It's just uh, right now. It's just uh, iOS for uh, iPad and I and the iPhone. But it that'd be kind of cool. Have a T- Apple TV version of it. Any any plans of doing it to Android as well? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm at the stage right now in my coding where I'm where I'm just actually uh, creating levels for it. So. And that is really the most tedious part is, yeah. is trying to create challenging, but not too challenging levels. Now, are you redoing levels in from scratch for the iOS version or are you yeah. duplicating the ones you did in the Cocoa? Well, um, I got the basic ideas for the levels uh, from the Cocoa version, but uh, then kept adding to them. And now they bear a little resemblance to the Cocoa version levels, but the story is the same. And, and the uh, the basic game and the gameplay is pretty much the same. Okay, I wonder if you maybe once you get the iOS version done, if you've kind of expanded levels and stuff. Now that we have you know, S- everybody seems to have SDCs or you can emulate them, and you can have more RAM. Like there's, I think. Uh, oh yeah. Boys and Tech's already mentioned they've sold over two hundred two meg RAM upgrades, and I don't know how many Cloud Nine sold. So there's probably at least three to four hundred out there. So I mean, the base level that gets people with really large RAM based machines plus having you know. Cocoa SDCs with 128 meg virtual hard drives is that's probably getting close to a thousand, if not over that already. So, I mean, there's a lot of potential to make a much expanded version back from compared to the day when you were oh, yeah. shoot from 128k or 512 at the most. That'd be a cool idea. And and my buddy, he did the uh, the graphics for the monsters based on the uh, the Cocoa version of the game. Cool. Yeah, I'd like to see your your dream team there come back together if you can. So yeah, definitely talk to him. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, bring him on the show. Yeah, yeah, we can do it. I think you'd love it. <laughs> and then we yeah. can see if we can actually demonstrate some of your games, even if I have to make an older boot to get it to run properly until we figure out what's going on. But one of the coolest I, I, things, one of the coolest things that happened one time when when I was down at that uh, that show in Atlanta, um, someone was running an MM1 and there was Gem Quest running on it. And that was that was really cool walking over there and see my game running on the MM1. I'd never seen it before running on the MM1. Oh, I didn't know it was ported the MM1. Yeah. Do you know who did yeah. the port? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. Don't. I don't remember. I did at one point, but I don't remember now who did it. And um, and the deal was is that uh, a portion of the sales would go towards uh, a purchase of an MM1 for me. And sadly, it never happened. But that's okay. <laughs> I just thought it was cool that that uh, it was on the MM1. Yeah, cool. I don't think I ever saw that. I don't know if uh, some of the other people on the panel that actually have an MM1, like David Ladd, if, I don't know if he's on the call right now or not, but I know he's got one. Did you Were you, were you still in the Cocos pretty heavily when the Coco 4s were all coming out? Or like did you, did you have a particular favorite? Because we had the System 5, we had the m one we had the TC-70, the TC-9, and a bunch of others. Was any of those of any interest to you? Uh, other than, you know, if people were going to sell your, your, a port of your game to help you get one? Oh. Well, 
I was interested in all of them because I wanted to get a, uh, you know, get a uh, faster uh, computer, better computer running OS 9. And uh, sadly, I never gotten any of those because back then funds were extremely limited. So, <laughs> so I, I couldn't afford uh, a new machine. That's a great limiting factor, I must say. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 that happened to me too. Yeah, yeah, I did end up getting the TC9, but that was only because it was the cheapest of the whole bunch. Then I wound up had, killing. I'm sorry. Then but, I wound up killing my cocoa because I wound, I tried to uh, I tried to uh, install the uh, the 6309 chip, and well, the soldering didn't go well. <laughs> Well, we've got people to do that for us now. We've got several companies that will do it and a lot of skilled people. So it's much easier to get that done now. In fact, if you send in for the two meg upgrades, uh, both major firms that sell two meg upgrades, they have a bundle with the six through nine. So you get the whole thing in one shot. Yeah. And I think it's like 50, 50 bucks for one and maybe 60 or 70 for the other. So it's, it's fairly cheap, especially compared to the old days too, where that was the price of a six or nine by itself. Getting now, have, you, have you heard about the Gimme X? No, I have not. Uh, it's a re- replacement gimme chip. Which has extra high-res modes, a much expanded yeah. palette, um, possibly some VGA blitter functions. Output. Yeah, VGA output. A whole bunch of things added onto it. So It's coming. We a crash course and all the uh, developments that are happening in the next little while. We have a lot of stuff going on. There's also a single-board Coco 2 coming out um, in its own case. And wow. Coco 3 Plus as well. New Coco 3 Plus hardware too. Yep, right. A complete yep. complete Coco 3, the new, which would have, might have been the Coco 4, but we're not allowed to say that. So. <laughs> Coco Plus is what they say. Well, yeah. one, of the, one of the first ways you're going to be able to take advantage of all that new stuff is using OS 9, the greatest operating system. It's modern, it's modular, <laughs> it's worldwide. <laughs> and, and a bag of cash. <laughs> yes, if you pay Curtis, he'll he'll definitely support your product in OS nine. Nah, you don't even have to pay me. I just want to promote it. So now I was going to ask you because I know I, we'd sent some source um, for some of your stuff. We we're trying to figure out what was going on. How have you gotten to the point where you've actually figured out where it's crashing or what's causing the issue? With no, not yet. Okay, I'll get there. If you if you want to collaborate on that, since I know a lot of the internal workings, feel free to. Yeah, you oh, ask yeah. me any questions, yeah. or or we can work together on some of that stuff too. Because uh, you had a lot of the really good games, one of the, some of the better oh, Base Nine games. Uh, like I said, mentioned before, you and Sean Driscoll seem to be the main people that really pushed that. I did a couple minor games, but I wasn't really a game writer. So <laughs> well, that makes me feel really good. Thanks, thanks for the compliment. I write software so people will have will enjoy it. So that's uh, and and that's my job now too. So my hobby became my job. I'm a I'm a web developer and iOS developer now. So, hey, so cool. you'll, you'll you'll probably like um, when you do get a Coco Three, you, you'll get a a new keyboard that's mechanical. It'll be a pleasure to type on. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, the, yeah. Ed's new keyboard is fantastic. It's really really smooth. So where can I get all this stuff you guys so are mentioning? Where is you're trying your... to sell him everything today. Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, welcome, welcome back. Buy a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> uh, well, mo- most of the stuff, Floyd, is available on Ed Snyder's website, uh, zipsterzone.com. Actually, send them to imacoconut.com because there's a page on there with uh, 
project uh, updates and uh, products being developed. Yeah, that's that cover everybody's stuff because I mean the Coco VJs from one person. So I'm I'm a CocoNut.com. Okay, just made it of that. Cool. I'll check the that out. The yeah. bag of money I was referring to had to do with that. <laughs> yeah, we, we work on kickbacks. Also, oh. oh, I noticed in the chat there on the chat on Facebook, Fred Fred uh, posted the Discord link. So if you can join Discord, that would be great okay. too. That yeah. that doesn't cost you anything, so that's even better. Yeah, that's right. Um, but we got a lot of technical know-how people. We got a lot of people with ideas, and a lot of people that are willing to do testing, make beta testing software and hardware and stuff. So. Yeah, good group to join and it's it's a live group i mean it's live chat text you can have spontaneous audio or video calls you can do the live yeah. demonstrations all kinds of stuff so it's it's kind of handy cool oh, we got a few trolls too <laughs> but we love them <laughs> but they're benign unfortunately <laughs> we don't have to worry about fading them <laughs> it's not our fault they keep coming back <laughs> so and one other question i have is uh once you've Man, once we get your your four games working properly again, they're ease of use, and, and we'll distribute them on there so that everybody can enjoy them. Uh, do you have any ideas or plans for any new Coco games? Even just rough thoughts at this point, because obviously we're still trying to get everything working again, and then obviously you've, you're getting your skills back up and stuff too. So, uh, not off the top of my head, because I've actually been trying to convert my bring some of my old Coco games to iOS, so I've been going kind of, kind of that route, but. Uh, I'm sure I can come up with something. <laughs> we had talked okay. about, uh, remember talking about uh, having us all have some kind of a, like a BBS system or something to, while the show's going on, to log into and chat back and forth. Um, I wonder if his BBS would, would, would that be something he could develop in the future? Or, or is that like prohibitive or... We have to have OS nine all of us to do it, or probably not, right? I, well, for getting online chat, I guess it depends if you want to just go through the old, you know, emulated modem route, or if you want to actually write some stuff to work directly on the internet, which I think only Brett's done at this point for direct, uh, other than the KA nine Q stuff that was done back in the nineties. Um, if if we're at a good uh, point to keep uh, moving, I would I would say that um, uh, Floyd just jump in and interrupt uh, if there's anything else that uh, uh, you wanted to cover. Uh, Curtis uh, as well. The same for you. I did want to go live to Richard Lorbieski, who is Ooh. I believe somewhere in international waters. Is that correct, Richard? Uh, not yet. We're we're still in port. We're not going to leave until about four o'clock. All right, so you have to obey U.S. law currently. Uh, yeah, you know, well, you know, you don't have to obey. It never stopped you before. <laughs> no. Where are you, you Miami? No, we're in Galveston. Galveston, right on. And, uh, and Richard, of course, we've been talking about Boys on Tech uh, able to do those memory upgrades and 6309 uh, upgrades so that none of us, I won't, uh, name any names, but uh, there are a few of us who've damaged our motherboards by trying to update that chip. So we can go to you for that, right? Right. Yeah, that's that's when I'm, you know, when I'm not on vacation and cruising and stuff, yeah. <laughs> so you've been so successful with the uh, color computer that you're able to do this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Absolutely. We're this subsidizing is all... his cruises is what we're saying. Yes. <laughs> what saying. You're welcome, Richard. You're looking at boomerang money right here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Going well, on cruises. We're trying to sell you some of your products to uh, the new guy to help you. Yeah. What's it take to keep the dumpster fire going? Uh, uh, a couple of Chryslers. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I, uh, I made your, uh, your image, the full screen here, Richard. Is there anything that we need to know as a color commuter, computer community? What's in this photo uh, that's important? Absolutely nothing. This is just our, this is our balcony suite. We're on the Lido deck, and we're on the Carnival Vista, and we're going to be taking off to Honduras, Belize, and uh, Cozumel. That's a pretty cool view there. Yep. All right. Beautiful well, day by the looks of it too. Well, there's that's our our a very popular segment, Richard Lorbieski live from Coco Cruise. <laughs> Have you met Gopher, your friendly purser yet? He is a Coco Cruiser. That's yeah. right. I, I I prefer to call this the rubbing it in segment type thing. Um, <laughs> we just had snow here and <laughs> winds like crazy, and it's currently 28 degrees Fahrenheit. So, well, it's going to get up to like 85 uh, tomorrow, but it's going to be windy, and uh, there's going to be a chance of thunderstorms. But that's that's kind of normal in the Gulf of Mexico this time of year. At least that's something I've common with Saskatchewan is it's windy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you well, will be building stuff while you're there, though, right, Richard? Sure. Yeah. Well, Richard, just just chime in um, as we move forward here. Um, if you have any updates or any new images to share, um, please just uh, just uh, don't don't hesitate. Just jump, just jump in, okay? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but don't jump over the balcony. We we don't want that. No, no. There's there's a lot of forms to fill out, and but you know, some people actually there was a a, a guy that jumped over the the uh, balcony. Um, on one of the other carnival boats, and they tried to find him. Uh, but apparently, they didn't. But there's been people that have been jumping off that, you know, in port, they jump off the balconies into the water. And, uh, yeah, they, you know, they got cameras everywhere, and usually they get banned for the, for life on, on the boats. They can never come back. So I don't want to do that. All right. Well, uh, that's, a, that's, that's a good policy, I think, to have. Uh, watch I, out for icebergs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a yeah, famous so famous so movie about Grant. an iceberg. Uh, we yeah, so much for Grant's uh, a wish of a hurricane. Uh, it, there was one that formed, but, you know, it, it's it's sort of like uh, Grant's sex life. It was short-lived. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, Grant. Grant. We're going into after, after dark now. Going to after dark. Grant Leedy's <laughs> not even on the panel. He's taking shrapnel already. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I know we've got a we've got a longer segment coming up with Chet, so I just want to uh, cover a few other introductions. Uh, David Ladd, are you are you out there? Why, yes, I am, sir. And how are you doing today? I could use a little bit more enthusiasm. Well, I, <laughs> well don't tempt more him. with feeling. But, you know, <laughs> how can I help you today? Well, we're just going to have a great show, and I'm really glad that you're here to be a part of it. Why? Thank anybody... you for for the sentiment. 
I don't know if anybody can help us today. We're <laughs> gonna have a great show, so we're still in introductions then. Okay. Well, David, do you have any you have any hardware updates or any? Uh, you're always working on something. OS nine. Anything to share before we move on? Well, for public stuff, um, uh, no, I haven't really been working on. Um, I still have a few things to test out on a alternate mouse design, um, but uh, I've been working on a tool for Bruce and been testing that out, so um, that's pretty much the only thing I've been doing. I have no idea if Bruce has even tested it out from his end yet, but <laughs> I've been playing with it a little myself, and so far it's coming along. All right. Well, speaking of Bruce, uh, Bruce, you out there? D. Bruce Moore? He is not currently out there, so we'll loop back to him. Uh, Paul Shoemaker was here. I wanted to say hi to him. Uh, Paul, if you're, uh, if you're out there and listening, uh, rejoin the call, and uh, I think we wanna, we're going to go over some of your uh, new updates to Oregon Trail uh, later in the show. Um, so at this point, we, we would like to have a Game On segment. Chet, you ready for Game On? Or do you want a commercial first? Yeah, let's run a commercial. Just you know to what? tease it up a bit. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I need to, I need to remind, uh, remind me how to, how to pace the show. Uh, let's have a little bit of a Cocoa Thought and then a commercial, and then we'll come back uh, for Game On with Chet Simpson. Here's your Cocoa Thoughts. And now, Cocoa Thoughts. By Samuel Gimes. Many people think 13 is an unlucky number, but I'm not superstitious. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tim. I'm playing dagger with like that idiot from the book. <laughs> You're watching Coco Talk. <laughs> everybody let's uh let's get our game on Chad Samson, I believe you have some updates to share for us uh, with us. 
Uh, yeah, over the uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been making uh, some changes and, and doing some polishing, uh, getting ready for uh, you know the release and, and adding some of the stuff that uh, that I've been wanting to get uh, in there for some time. And let me check. Let me show my screen here. And so, it. yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, I started making uh, some changes, particularly to uh, uh, to things like loading. Uh, I got rid of the vanity screen, uh, got rid of the uh, you know the graphical loader, and switched over to uh, to text. Uh, it's something a little more basic that uh, was a little bit faster on on the loading, and allowed me to uh, to organize things a little bit easier. So. And then one of the other things that I wanted to do was to get some uh, some polishing in here for some of the transitions and some of the different uh, scenes that uh, uh, that you will have uh, throughout the game. I mean, there's there's things like you have your credit scene, your your end game, your intermissions, your your pause, uh, you know, title scenes like right here, um, you know, going you know your warp codes. So all of that stuff has to be taken care of, moved over to be uh, to be graphical. Um, get some animations on there, some text, and and. Uh, 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 get the uh, you know the, like the instructions, the help scene, uh, uh, you know, updated so that players know what some of these elements are because there are a lot more elements that are being added into, and that's some of the things that I'm going to show you tonight. So a couple of things that I've actually done is uh, get um, uh, the uh, some of the older levels from the first version of Digger over. That I wanted to get some of the the easier stuff in there, kind of uh, kind of going back to the to the first version. Um, so I was able to get those out of the game and uh, and moved into the into the thing. And what I'm going to show you here is is actually a test of some of the things that I've I've gotten into the into the game over the last couple of weeks in, in preparation for the uh, for for the launch here, here in a couple of months. So even the loading screen, you know, is is uh, is graphical now. So I want to go ahead and make sure that I set this to uh, to an uh, uh, invincible mode as I go through this. So this right here is actually just a testing that I use uh, for dropping in uh, you know new actors or, or objects onto the onto the game, as well as testing different uh, uh, animations and updates to the game engine. So one of the things that I've been adding here is proximity traps. So if you get too close to something, you'll see these little spikes that are coming out uh, here close. Now the timing right here is off. That's why I've got invisible mode on. Makes it a little bit easier because you can, you know, as it goes down, it'll come up here pretty quick and you can actually get uh, get dead really, really quick. Uh, so that's just one of the things that, that, that I've added into it. And you go through... Um, all of the different timings. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, that, that there was kind of a variety of this so that because on some of the larger levels, when you get, uh, when you get up to you, the, uh, the AI for the, the guards is a little bit um, off. Um, and it makes it a little difficult to control, especially when you get into a much, much larger level uh, that I've been playing around with. So it's, you want to get some more obstacles in there, something that, uh, that is a little bit different and something can grow throughout the, uh, uh, as they progress through the game, and these things, uh, little traps like this, make it a little bit easier because you can you can randomize them uh, uh, through the map editor. You can uh, make them uh, uh, appear or not appear based on a skill level. So it makes you it, it makes the game a little bit more dynamic in, in, in the options for the player. So we go through here, and we've got a, another one right up here. We go over here, and we want to get this gold. And this is one of the new creatures that you know kind of pops up. And this is a little dirt monster, and I've got. Uh, a uh, couple of audio sound effects that I, I still need to get in for this, but he uh, he pops up every so often, and, and there's going to be uh, you know different behaviors for these based on uh, uh, different parameters that I can feed to them through uh, you know through the map uh, editor and getting them into the game. Can, so can I ask you a question, uh, Chet? Sure. Um, mm -hmm. I, I noticed you were you were live streaming on Discord the other day, and you were using Tiled, 
which is a free uh, Windows-based um, game tile editor. Is there um, anything that you can share about how that tool works, or is it is it something that you know that's been oh, that, a very effective absolutely. for you? Yeah. The, yeah, there's. A, I can certainly put together a, a demo on that because you know the the tools that I've got and and setting stuff up for, um, you know, the definitions because there is some work that has to go into it before you can use it. Um, but yeah, that is the tool that I use, and it, it does make it easier because you can you can easily organize and visualize things. That uh, uh, I mean, I created a, a you know new level with about 20 minutes the other day, and it worked really really well. You know, of course, others I've spent a couple hours on, and they still didn't work out. Um, but it allows you to, to, to prototype this, you know, this I put together in about 20 minutes, uh, you know, earlier and, and, you know, adding all of the new objects and, and all of that. So it, it is a really powerful tool. So yeah, I'll, I'll put together something uh, uh, maybe next week or the week after that, that, that shows how to put all that together and actually use it within the game. Okay. So now um, going through this, you know, and the, the, the the way that I, I put all of this together is the the, the code that I'm using for the uh, for the dirt monsters actually the same that I'm using for the uh, for, for the spikes that are coming out uh, with just a few parameter changes. Um, so it makes it easy to uh, to, to add uh, more obstacles like this into it and actually trigger their different behaviors. So you can they, they can now actually create more objects um, and throw them down. So if I want them to uh, create a ball. Um, and roll it down the the, the way you've, that, that I have that option, and, and it's quite easy. I mean, most of this I did uh, last night, this morning, so it's uh, uh, it's quite easy to drop some of the stuff into the game now uh, with, with the, the changes that I'd made before. I had to uh, uh, you know uh, get back to, to you know stuff for work. So we have another one up here, and it's uh, this one is a little bit harder to see. Um, and uh, you know, of course, if you notice, you actually have to be um, you know you, you can't just be under them or near them, you have to be within a certain plane. And the way that I did that is that I have uh, some uh, dynamic behavior based on uh, some of the information that I provide in the uh, in the map editor that allows them to check uh, the, the various proximities. And I have about 12 different proximity checks right now to determine whether the player is so that, you know, if I only wanted to check left or right, if it's you know blocked by a wall, I don't want them to get too close and actually realize that it's there. So there's little tweaks in there that uh, uh, that are going on that make it a little bit more usable. So I, in the, uh, the final game, these type of things would be uh, uh, quite uh, irritating to to deal with. And I've also combined some of the stuff with the um, with the overlays that I use for um, for the different various effects that we've got here. And you have three different ones. And these are uh, uh, currently synced, um, and there will be different options for randomization on those as well. So there's there's a lot of different elements like this that are going to be going into the game. Change as the game moves on, and some of them won't be, you know, of course, in the in the earlier levels, but uh, it, it will make it uh, much more interesting. So, the uh, uh, with about you know, fifteen or sixteen of these, I think it'll make it uh, quite a fun game. Quick so, question on on what we're looking at right now here: is mm -hmm. that one single tile that just happens to be somewhat transparent and, and and in front of the player, or is that actually multiple tiles level that you're building up from the bottom to the top? No, that is that. That those are multiple uh, textures. You have the the background tile, and then you have the the sprite, and then of course you have the overlay on top of it. Okay. And what is the um, impediment here on the on the on the uh, ladder? Uh, that is just an overlay of, of of blocks. I've used that in a couple of different levels when, on the uh, on the preview. Um, it's just a uh, kind of a proof of concept of uh, some of the work that I've done for managing um, overlays. Um, this 
particular uh, piece in the way that I'm doing it, however, is not going to be used in, in the next game uh, engine as I've got a, uh, a much much better way to handle actually full screen um, overlays so in a much more efficient way than this would allow. Um, so you'll be able to, to create some very interesting effects. And one of those that I've actually played around with is, um, is lighting so that if you place your, your colors in your palette correctly, you can change one bit and reduce the, the, the brightness of that particular region. And by uh, providing custom uh, uh, players, you can actually go in and place these in the overlay so that as the character goes into it, they themselves actually become dark as well. You don't have to have multiple sets of sprites. You don't have to manage it. Of course, there is a CPU hit, but you, you use that effectively in your map design. And little effects like that can be, can be quite, uh, uh, quite nice. Okay. I think my no, cat agrees with you there, so I do need to apologize for my uh, <laughs> for meowing in the background there. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> um, you know, of course, this is one of the transitions, and this is one of the things that I'm going to change to to be a little, a little bit more uh, um, exciting, so that you know it counts up with the level bonuses as well as have some animations and a, and a true intermission for going to the next level. Um, and this is just one of this is the first level from the from the original digger that uh, uh, that I'd moved into uh, to this to, to test around and see whether or not the uh, new AI would or wouldn't uh, work uh, too well with this and and they did so I'm, I'm going to include those in, in some fashion in the game I, I, I may actually use some of the original uh, imagery uh, that I had but uh, we'll we'll see so, and. Uh, and that's really all I had it for uh, for this weekend. So if you uh, you guys have any questions or anything, and really about the game in general or even the, the techniques, certainly. Uh, well, well, my first question is: where, When do you plan to release the new levels, and where do we get it? Um, I'm planning a uh, release around Christmas time. Okay. Uh, but some, somewhere between Christmas time and, and uh, middle of January. And there's uh, we're expecting uh, 32 levels, and it's going to be available. For download on the uh, on the Cocoa Archive. Okay, and you're still uh, planning on making it free. Yes. Okay. Can't complain about that. Are you planning on having the a tile edit or the map editor built in? I think you'd mentioned that before. I don't know if I was using external tools or if you were building that into the game. No, that won't be built into the game. That will be actually using tile, the the same tool that I was using on Discord the other night. Okay. Yeah, I've taken uh, uh, the the tool that I've created is, is actually becoming quite useful. All, all of the stuff that that uh, that I added today would have, uh, you know, taken a lot more time if uh, you know if I hadn't been uh, you know using those tools. So it, it it's coming very handy, you know, especially when you have limited time, um, you know, and you want to get right down to the you know the programming rather than you know just dealing you know, with with content all the time. So it makes it a lot easier to to uh, to write the game and be able to focus on it more. Okay. I will mention that Stevie Stro is obviously watching here. He's actually posted a link to the map editor you referred to earlier. Oh, I I, I posted that. Stevie's uh, oh, you. definitely not okay. watching. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, screw him then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the map tiled map editor is a free tool, and I posted the link. Uh, it's at mapeditor.org. Oh, I have one other question for you, Chet. Um mm-hmm. The current disk image, is it still fitting in a 35-track standard disk image, or are you using expanded 40 double-sided 80-track images at this point, or are you fitting all this in one? Uh, so far, it is in. It fits on one disk, but that's just a preview. It, it will be on two disks, the uh, on two disk images, um, 
all of the uh, image and code will be loaded first, and then you'll have to swap disks for the level. So, and that's actually you know kind of by design so that you can insert a level pack so you can build them with the tool. I'll be releasing all the information on how to use it, all the definitions, and 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 all of that. Um, uh, to create your own levels for Digger. So you can create an entire pack, replace all of the graphics if you want. Okay, so you can actually create your own entire game basically just using your engine as the core. Well, no, you, you can create the, the levels and you can place the objects, but you, you, I mean, it's still Digger. You, you still have the same game mechanics. You still have the same uh, you know object behavior. So you're not, it, it's it's just a, you could consider it a graphical clone um, or you can just you know consider it a, 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 a mission pack or something. Okay. Yeah. Looks really so, good. So Chet, could you um like <clears throat> change some of the screens and, and uh, characters and stuff and make it like a it could be like a Star Wars game where you're chasing uh, in a strange planet or something. I mean, could Yeah, you could you could have something uh, completely different. Yeah, you could be, you know, you, you could change it to a, you know, Star, uh, you know, a Star Trek theme where you know you're like Captain Kirk or whatever, mm -hmm. um, and the you change the Gomers to be, uh, you know, Klingons and you're on their home planet, you got to get out or whatever. I mean, yeah, there's certainly plenty of of, of opportunity for that to cool. to do something like that in there. And with your proximity detection for those some of those newer things that you've added in, like the spikes and stuff, you could actually have like, doors opening and closing. So you could actually make the gameplay mechanics seem a little bit different than just digging. And trying to pick up treasures, you could actually have little mazes and trip locks you have to trigger or something like that. I presume. Yeah, there's there's actually switches. In, in fact, that's in uh, the uh, uh, the current uh, tile set that I've got. I just need to add the actual code to handle it. Um, there's just uh, I've got to go in and, and add some some stuff in order to link everything together because there's some synchronization that I need that I'd like to go on you know, between some of these objects and then some of the triggers that you know you have to be able to define them and what they do. Um, so you have to be able to associate those two and be able to do that you know efficiently during gameplay. Um, otherwise, you you eat up way too much cycle time. So the uh, um, but yeah, that that is certainly uh, going to be happening with this game. Cool. What are the what are the technical requirements for it? Is there any anything specific that's needed to run it? Or just five hundred and twelve k. It's uh, it's uh, standard sixteen oh nine code. Um, it was you know originally developed on you know specifically for the sixteen oh nine. So there there are no sixty three oh nine optimizations um, in it. So you know it, it's outside of that you're you're good. It's, and it does work on all the the two make boards that that I've you know heard of. Um, we've, we've seemed to have gotten all of those issues fixed from the first run. So that, uh, that's it. Just five. Okay. Cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's, uh, it, uh I'm real, really, uh, uh, excited to get, to, to get it finished and out there. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about other people, but this was the first, uh, load runner type clone game that I was able to get into. I, for some reason, all the, the, the other versions, just didn't capture it, and maybe some of it is, is some of the uh, graphics. And I know Paul Thayer, if I get my Pauls right, I believe Paul Thayer uh, contributed to some of the um, uh, some of the design of the characters, right, Chat? Yeah, he did the he did the, he did the replacements for the uh, the player and the uh, and the guard sprites. So you know, even if you think, oh, bat. you know, this might be a load runner, and and I wasn't into that game, I would I would dare you to try it out because it uh, um, it just feels more fleshed out than than uh, previous versions that I've played. Yeah, there's I think a lot of it has to do with some of 
some of the AI and the size of the maps. There's um, for a lot of load runner games, it's it's open. When you get into the closed spaces, it the 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 way that the the guards act is is quite um, fixed, and they mm-hmm. don't that they will follow you around, and, and it it can get tedious. So that these these guards aren't too bright at times, and that's actually by design. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually some quirks in it that aren't supposed to be there, but there is some stupidity that's been built in. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> so that would be like artificial stupidity. Is that what you've? Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I have invented artificial <laughs> stupidity. Awesome. Yes. Machine unlearning. That's what we call it. <laughs> right. uh, well, the, the the first level of Digger Three, uh, there's a point where you could hide, and none of the guys can 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 catch you. They just totally mm-hmm. miss you. And yeah, and the, the, that's the, some of that is by design. It's just that they're not, it's not supposed to happen every time. <laughs> Well, it's a good place to park if you have to go to the bathroom or you know, answer yeah. a phone call. So. Yeah, actually what I do, there's, there, there's actually a, a bug in it. You can go in and you can stand off the, off the edge of, a, uh, off of the stairs, and they'll just run right on by you and, and, and never get you. <laughs> Let me write that down. <laughs> <laughs> that, won't, that, that won't be in the final game. That's the only reason oh, why I'm, darn. I'm, I'm talking about it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so anyway, check it out. I believe Digger 3 Preview, the... the Original edition is on the Color Computer Archive. Yes, yes, it yes. is. It's uh, uh, and it's it is the latest version, and it does have all of the fixes and the compatibility stuff for the two megaboards. Cool. Okay. Well, if you want to, um, you know, stop sharing there, Chet. We will uh, continue on uh, with the show. I I did. Uh, somebody pointed out on Facebook that the audio levels were. We're high on a couple of those recorded bits, and that's my fault. I was adding new recording recorded bits today, and I didn't uh, lower the volume. So that should be fixed uh, going forward, and the the other commercials I have on deck are set correctly. So I apologize if I uh, if I blew out anybody's uh, eardrums there. Uh, let's see here. Who's still on? Paul Shoemaker, uh, come back if you if you hear. This will go over uh, your Oregon Trail. I don't see Bruce Moore any longer. Uh, we'll certainly get an update from him. We want to talk to him about phone freaking because the 8-bit guy who's been a guest on the show had a pretty good uh, presentation at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo on phone freaking, kind of explaining how it worked. And uh, that's a subject that is near and dear to Bruce Moore. Uh, and he has a project that's... Uh, about phone freaking that's coming out soon. So we'll talk to Bruce um, either later today or next. Yes, yes, Samuel Gimes was too loud, Ken, and that was my fault. Yeah, we will fix that. So uh, should we take a, a appropriately uh, uh, set loudness a commercial break, Curtis, and then maybe come back with news? And if, we, if uh, sure. Paul Shoemaker joins or Bruce Moore pops back in, we can talk to them. Uh, yeah, I do have some of Paul's stuff in the news, so if he isn't able to come back, we will cover some of the stuff he's done. Uh, but I don't have anything on Bruce's updates. So. Okay, so I'm going to select a commercial here at, at random that I've got ready. And, uh, you know, cover yours just in case, but I think, I think, it'll, I think it'll be uh, fine. <laughs> we'll be right back after these messages. This is Mark Overholzer, and you're watching Talk, the world's leading weekly talk show where you can join in. Hey, come watch us and see what's happening in the world of Coco. 
Coco Talk is brought to you in part by Placeblex Dietary Supplement. Placeblex, we think it works, so will you. What's going on, everybody? Stevie Stroh, and I want to say thank you for continuing to watch and listen to Coco Talk. We love doing this show. We think we put together a pretty good show for you, but this show could be better with your help. So if you would like to send a feedback, a comment, a suggestion, a show topic, or maybe even your own little segment or bumper, then send it to us via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. This show would be nothing without you. Love to hear from you. Un ordinateur couleur qui a de la personnalité, le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. And we're back. Uh, I believe we've got some news. I don't have a, a news uh, introduction for you, Curtis, but take it away. That probably doesn't work very well, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I have to stop sharing uh, system sound uh, to... Yeah, I just tried sharing it. It's yes, said you're, you may. Uh, you're hogging the bandwidth, man. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away, L. Curtis Boyle. Okay, okay. And I'll, you guys have to let me know when the first time we get sound here, what's to, whether the sound is too loud or too quiet, because it's hard to tell on this end. Hey, so number one is uh, we have to have a, our weekly Jim Gary update. So this is a uh, program called Stronghold of the Dwarven Lords. For the MC10, I think he just yeah, he just has background music, so I'll just mute that out a little bit here. So it's kind of a maze game, um, done you know in low res graphics because that's what the MC10 is capable of, uh, from basic anyway. Um, it's a port, I believe, from a game from some other platform. To see if he has any. Yeah, based on Time Hartnell's, I don't know what that was originally on off the top of my head, but basically you have to kind of navigate the maze and, and, and get out type thing. Anyway, if you're into the MC10, that's uh, a nice little addition to the game library from the other thousand or so that Jim's done over the last few years. And this one here, uh, Brian Palmer and a few of us, we were taking a look at uh, one of the games from The Dragon that we had watched uh, on a few episodes ago from going through some of the Dragon stuff. And this was a really cool 3D perspective game of trying to get out of a maze in a certain time limit and you have to avoid monsters like snakes and this zombie rug thing. And, and you also have to pick up fruit to increase your willpower, etc. Um, but we've been fiddling around with the palettes because, I mean, it's it's done in the, you know, the green, yellow, blue, red palette. So Brian Palmer did a screenshot here of some palette changes he's been doing just to try to, you know, experiment with it. This is kind of like extending uh, for some other games what uh, Nick and I had done. And now I think it was, was it Paris Surratt? Somebody else was doing the Coco VGA version, but there's been a few of these going around. Yes. I, I, I think this personal one, personally, I think this one actually does look better than the original. So it's it's 
it's a nice one. And of course, anybody who has a Coco VJ and a Dragon can actually play it on the Dragon with the modified colors now too. So that's right. But a, a really cool game too. It was fairly unique. And the first of the uh, the two updates concerning the Oregon Trail by Paul. Sorry, I keep getting stuff coming up here. So he's um, actually got a bit of a game playthrough here video. Hopefully that's big enough for you people to see. But it's looking really close to the, uh, the original Apple II Plus version, which is what he's basing it on. And he's got a machine language routine to do the, uh, the text, so it's a lot faster than the other graphic images. I believe he's loading directly from disk. I won't play the whole video here, but you can see the, the artifacting colors actually are coming through quite well. It's not quite as colorful as the Apple II because they had that alternate bit where you can get the green and purples as well as the blues and reds. Uh, so we're restricted to the, the standard P-Mode 4 artifacting, you know, black, white, blue, orange. But the graphics came across quite well. The speed of the text is actually quite well. He's gotten pretty far into it. So it looks like this is actually, we've, we've talked about a few people doing Oregon Trail converts before, and it never looked like they were ever going to come to fruition. I think this one actually is going to get completed. So looking forward to it. And related to that is that uh, Vintage is the New Old has actually got a write-up and a bit of an interview with Paul on uh, the Oregon Trail. So even actually show an old hand handheld version, which I'd never seen before, which is kind of cool. It's a little portable version that's made to look like a fake you know, disk drive and everything else too, well, a tiny screen. But, but he kind of goes through an interview with it here and, you know, talks about, you know, his plans for, he's going to release the basic source code, but not necessarily the machine language source code for the subroutines he's doing, et cetera. And just kind of how he's been converting it, et cetera. So definitely an interesting read. Uh, next up we have Diego. He's got Xfiler version four out. And this is a file manager for HD, HDB DOS which is kind of similar. He's doing kind of an 80-column version at this point of, of something similar to the SDC Explorer, uh, except specifically for the HDB DOS for hard drives. Um, so he's got a bit of a... You can actually go download off his uh, site at uh, YACCS. Um, for any of you running HDB DOS, and I know some of the emulators support it, so uh, it's it's a fun thing to play with, and there's uh, it's pretty nice having the 80-column thing. It's one thing about the SDC Explorer. I mean, they wrote it specifically to be backwards compatible to Cocoa 1 and 2, so you had to keep the 32-column. But it's nice having more on the screen at once so you can get through your directories and stuff faster. Definitely worth a check out, though. And then I've got my weekly uh, summary of Petsass Jim 1 on YouTube. He's been doing all the Dragon stuff on the XWare emulator. Uh, I just picked a few every week here to kind of show you some some of the stuff we never saw on the, the Coco here. So this is the type of stuff we could port across, including that backtrack that uh, Brian was working on earlier for Colors. So the first one up here is called Death Cruise. And it's... Uh... Is that too loud, by the way? No, it's all right. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's better. It's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am too, so it just fits the theme. <laughs> and you just asked for loud, out of the way. So this is one, it's a, it's a kind of a, an adventure text game, but it's actually multiplayer, and you actually take turns, and you have to, you, basically, you'd have the person, other people leave the room because there's certain things that you do 
uh, that you don't want the other players to see, and then you kind of play against each other, which is kind of a, an innovative thing I kind of thought was neat. Huh. Like here, you say, please enter only when all the other players have looked away. Okay. I do know there was a, I think it was Chromaset or was a TND, there was a thing called Stellar Empires that actually had a multiplayer one. And I know we had modified it. We used to use it at some parties when we were young. Basically one of those, you know, take over the universe and attack other planets and stuff. And we added a, a thing so you could send direct messages between specific players because the original game had this general mailbox that everybody could see everything. But you could form secret alliances with people and, you know, doubly attack one of the other players and stuff. So it was a lot of fun. So I kind of like these kinds of games. So it'd be a fun one to have people gather around. Next one here is called The Dark Pit. One thing I found unique about this one that I'd not seen before is that this one actually supports the Tandy Electronic Book, which has been talked about, I think, about a year ago. So here's the, the prompt for it. Because uh, I, I didn't even know uh, that any Dragon people even had the Tandy Electronic Book. So I, obviously it apparently works with it just fine. Uh, so I know some people actually have it, and there's not a lot of software that's made for it. But here's here's a new one or new to us anyway, that actually does support it. Um, the emulator he's running does not support the electronic books, so there's no way for us to show you know, how it interacts with it in this case. But basically, it's a gather the treasure, avoid the monsters type thing. This one could use some pallet hacks too. Again, that, uh, that six-bit six deck. How about that? Digital audio to audio converted sound. <laughs> I think he only has the one level here in this case. So, all right, anyway, that's a pretty interesting little game to try. Yeah, with potentially with the sound off. I think you want to try that. <laughs> Next one up here is called Cyclops. I have seen this one before a long time ago. I completely forgot about it. It's a high res semi graphics game, but it's kind of like Pac Man, but not quite. Better turn that one down because I know that one's a little annoying. <laughs> Push the bar. Which bar? I just want to thank uh, Fred Dufas uh, for posting uh, the links again this week in the chat in uh, Facebook, and I believe it will show up in the regular chat. Yeah, it looks like Fred's posting it in Facebook and Mark's posting it in YouTube. So Okay, thank you guys. Anyway, when I say it's, it's similar to Pac-Man, it's because, and I'll just skip all these directions. We'll pretend we're Steven, just don't read them. There's just the one Cyclops in the maze. So that's a little bit different. But there seems to be some sort of little warp thing. If you guys have played Spectral's Ghost Gobbler, they have that one warp thing where if you hit that one square, you, you jump into a different part of the maze. Is this new? No, this is old. Okay, because it looks really good. Once again, it's one of the dragon games that we never saw in North America. So, just a really nice job with uh, with the semi-graphics. Now, does this this I see text characters? So, is this uh, compatible with the Coco Three? You wouldn't be able to read the text on the Coco Three. There is a couple pokes you can do that will get the graphics part to work, so you can play the game. Okay, but you won't have the pellets. Uh, it depends what the pellets are done with. Um a graphic character, or if they're done with a dash character or something. If it's dash, like a text character, then no, you wouldn't be able to see them. Uh, if it's done with just a graphics block, then yes, you could. I haven't tried it personally. Okay. To see. Would it work in composite on the three? 
Yep. Just type CMP first, you get the right pallet settings. Of course, the Gimme X will fix all of this, so we'll be yes, able to Yes, because it will be backwards compatible, which is going to be a really nice feature to have. Mm-hmm. Amongst many other features it's added. Next one is one of the uh, the multitude of the Cuthbert series. This one's called Cuthbert in the Cooler. And it's one of the later ones from 85, because some of the other ones came out in like 83, I believe. little loud I'm guessing but I'll turn that just a tad. So these are all new. We didn't we didn't I mean not newly created. I mean we didn't go over these in previous uh weeks, right? No, not not that I remember anyway. The ones that uh, Jim's been putting up, basically, he's been going through the dragons in alphabetical order. I'm not giving you guys all of them. There's a ton of other ones too. There's a lot of basic games. Uh, a lot of ones that are just generic adventure games that I, I'm not bothering to post. You can go see them on his YouTube page. Uh, I'm trying to show some things that basically I don't think a lot of you have seen, but actually it does look pretty interesting to play. Curtis, can, can, you, can you introduce the lady who's at the lower right of the screen? I wanted to get to know her. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. I don't know if she was part of the game. Uh, maybe she's the prize when you win. I don't know. Um, <laughs> pretty good graphics there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure. What, I'm not even sure. I, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, this is one I've not played. I know you're avoiding guards and stuff like that, so it's a pretty interesting little kind of escape style game. Interesting how they sort of got the 3D perspective sort of thing going on. It's... Yeah, there's a firing and stuff too. You have to get keys. Um, can you do me a favor? Just click the X on the on the lady there. I, that's all I can. Uh, I'm not even paying attention to the game. Well, that sounds like a personal <laughs> problem to me. So you can't. You can't uh... All right, you can't click that off. Okay, there we go. That's better. <laughs> okay, this one's Dragon Golf. I know. That I have to say one thing: we have never had a really, really good golf game that I've seen on the Coco. There's a couple that are not too bad on the Coco One and Two. I don't think everybody's ever made a Coco Three one, but I think we could do one that's a bit more modern looking than than some of the stuff we've seen. So I. You know, in five years' time, when I'm done EOU, I might actually try to tackle it. I might have to actually uh, talk to Matchy on that because he's done some 3D perspective stuff for drawing the underlying ground undulations, etc. But this is kind of an interesting one. He's actually using, you know, the standard text screen with some graphics characters in there. But he kind of lays it out. You can see the up arrows are trees, and then he's got the rough as the double quotes and stuff. So it's kind of a graphical representation, but done in low res. I thought it was an interesting way so to this- do it. So this is all in basic, I'm guessing? Yep, yep, this is all in basic. Sounds not the greatest, but... And this one is is kind of odd. There's two games called Dragon Trek by two completely different companies that came out only a year or two apart. So I'm not sure if if copyright was that important in Britain or not, but... um, These are both based on, you know, Star Trek-style games. The first one here is by Salamander Software. And it's uh, graphical in the low res, like PMO 1 type thing. I'll just skip ahead. Text screens here we are. You can see your start date and stuff there. And then it actually does a bit of a representation in a graphics mode. Um, we've had a quite a few text-based ones on the Coco. And we've had one or two graphics ones like Trek 3 times 5 from Adventure International. Um, but these 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 two are actually fairly interesting. They're a little bit different in some ways than those. 
that's the first one. And then there's the other one, also called Dragon Trek from the year before by S.W. Winter and Co. So it's totally different authors. So I'm not sure why they chose the cool. same name or maybe they just didn't know about it. I'm not sure. Cool. Cool little graphic screen intro there. Let's fast forward past all the nice little representation of the Enterprise. Yeah, this is done more in the grid-like pattern like a lot of the text-based ones are, except it's actually using graphic characters to do it. In this case, bumping it up to PML3 as well. Now, this is uh, one in particular that could use a machine language routine to draw the text rather than using basics to really speed it up. Hmm. But you get to move around, you get to shoot things, and, you know, typical Star Trek. I don't see any red shirts yet, but that's the only thing really missing. Next up, uh, Aaron, and this is part of the new Coco podcast you're doing. They're actually doing some uh, live gameplay, well, not live, but recorded gameplays on real hardware as opposed to running on emulators, etc. So Aaron actually did a playthrough. He did a playthrough of Sailor Man uh, a week or two ago, and now he's done one for Poltergeist. And he's using one of those uh, joysticks. I'm just muted and bump it up ahead here a bit. But he's using one of those uh, joysticks that's basically adapting a Switch joystick. So for the first two levels of Poltergeist, that works great because you're just going to be running around in eight directions, picking up stuff. Uh, and the stairs, you're just going up, down, left, right. On the energy field at the last, so it actually starts using it as an analog joystick. So it's actually taking your 64 by 64 and compressed it to the middle of the screen to move your crosshairs to shoot the Poltergeist or accidentally shoot Caroline if she's coming out of the energy field. So he found it impossible to actually do that because you can only jump to you know, different parts of the, the center. So I, I sent him a recommendation. I said, if you still have a black beauty kicking around or a fully analog stick that you might need that to try to get past level three, it's pretty well impossible with a switch stick. So our switch sticks are really good. And we'll get into more in switch sticks a little bit later on with one of Stevie's videos that he did this week. Uh, they're definitely not for every game. And in this case, it's kind of a mixed bag. It's really good for the first two levels. It sucks for the third level. This so is actually really swap good. Joysticks. This is a good looking game. Uh, what was the, but there's a bug where you can uh, completely uh, avoid getting killed. Isn't that right? On the first level only, if you hold down the joystick button, none of the cars come out. Oh, uh, okay. So the only thing that'll kill you then is this timer running out. Okay, next up here, Dave Phillipson, who's active in Discord and also the author of Supercom, Terminal Program for Ostein. As a video showing some of the progress he's made on his Coco dev board, which is an FPGA 6809 core, kind of similar to the Coco FPGA, running at 25 megahertz, and, with, and he's got basic running on it, and you'll notice it's in a high, much higher res screen mode than a normal uh, Coco would be in. It's so this like, isn't... Uh, it's like a, um, IBM font. Yeah. Kind of reminds you of the Coco VJ, except with even wider horizontal res. And here he's doing some you know, little demos and stuff running on it. Yeah, it's and just 16 by 9. Hmm. Yeah, and this kind of is uh, an explanation of what it's going to do. And it's still very much a work in progress, but there's a few people that have expressed some interest in it. Um, it's not strictly a Coco, but it's close enough. It's kind of reminds me a bit of uh, the 8-bit guy's uh, Commodore 64 project, where he's actually trying to do the Commodore 64 basic, but he's not strictly making it just Commodore compatible. He's kind of expanding past that. And Dave's including, a, he is including a real-time clock. I want to point that out. Of course. Every project needs a real-time clock. Real-time clock, yeah. Uh, 
Stevie himself actually did a couple of Coco related videos here. Um, the first one was when he was doing some stuff on the Coco VGA and he's actually demonstrating a game here that Brendan and his daughter wrote. Uh, Megan's her name, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, so basically Morgan. you can see Morgan, some of the Morgan. Morgan, sorry. Hmm. My apologies, Brendan and Morgan. Um, so this one here, uh, you can see some of the customized character sets that uh, the Coco VGA allows you to do. So they've reprogrammed to be hearts and a little person walking around and it's kind of a, you know, dodge the bombs thing, collect the hearts. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Right? Unfortunately, so it does have Steve's cool prattling about, on it, but I can't help um, that. Can't, um, yeah. Coco VGA, you can actually um, change what And I don't know if she based the, the bombs like on uh, the Rick Adams' set, game, because they do look a little bit similar. Of course, a lot not, of ideas you know, for games. Burning and down this like is giving that. Me some ideas. It's a nice demonstration of what a custom character set can do to give your game a lot better look than just using the built-in. Semi now, stuff. Curtis, could could you release a game that would support both uh, non-Coco VGA color computers and also be able to detect a Coco VGA is installed and then give you the custom? There is no way to detect, detect if a Coco VGA is installed. Oh, okay. In order to for it to be completely compatible, basically it just um, it fools the computer into thinking it's just a regular VDG. So there's, as from talking to Brendan, there's no way to detect whether you've got that or which version, because he's got uh, an updated version on the last runs of boards he's done that actually expands the palette beyond 512 colors to 32,000 colors. So what does this look like on a non-VGA, just like text characters? Uh, yeah, I can't remember which character she specifically redefined to draw the hearts, the person, and the, and the bombs, but basically whatever those originally were. Would, would show up instead. So if you're somewhat if you're somewhat uh, cognizant of that, you could design it so that it would maybe look okay on a color computer without, yeah. yeah. Though that kind of defeats the purpose because I mean, you can really do some expansive. You could kick this into 64 by 32 column mode, for example, on the Coco VGA to make a much bigger play expanse that you can't do it all on a Coco one or two, so. All right, well, at least it will run without crashing. Stevie's timing on uh, putting together this video was uh, couldn't have been better for me. I was actually in conversation with um, Ed Snyder about the uh, redefining things on the on the Coco VGA because I'm looking at doing that with some of my uh, music sequencing software that I'm writing. And uh, yeah, I was just about to, I was literally that day just about to go in and, and do some editing and, and figure it all out and work on Coco. CCV con configuration files and all the rest of it, and Stevie covered the whole thing in that video, and it was just perfect. Yeah, and no, actually, I'm, I'm, I jumped ahead a bit here just so Stevie demonstrating the actual character editor, uh, where you can change the characters and you can create your own, and you can load them in dynamically. So you can have part of a game use one tile set, and then if you have a level two or level three that needs completely different tiles, you can just load another one. So you're not even fixed to just having you know it reloaded once. You can load it dynamically on the fly. You can export all these as uh, as data files in a, a config file that you can bring into your own basic programs in too, which is obviously what Stevie's done. But that's that's a really cool thing about the Coco VGA. I really like that you can do that. Yeah, like here he's designing like designing a little rocket ship with you know flames animated. You just switch between the two characters, and it'll kind of make it look like it's an animated ship type thing. Kind of the tile set graphics I believe the Vic Twenty used, if I remember correctly, is kind of like this, and some other eight bit mm -hmm. machines of the era. That's a really good video. It's long, so I'm not going to obviously play the whole thing here. But if you're interested in the Coco VGA or just seeing what it can do, that's a, that's a good place to go to see that video, which is on Stevie's YouTube page. And then the second video we did, which I believe he even did the same day, um, this is Sheldon McDonald has done some new Coco controllers, which has a little thumb joystick, which is a little black thing there. Which you can tilt left and right. And it's not 
totally switch based. It's kind of analog, kind of switch. It, it does spring back to the middle. It does actually give you some gradiated X and Y coordinates. So it actually does work somewhat on, though it's a little bit touchy because it's just a thumb controller, but it actually does work on some of the analog based games, not too badly. And then it has two buttons for support. Now there's two versions of this board or the board, this uh, joystick. Uh, the one on the left here is showing where the cable goes straight out. And the one on the right actually has the uh, the joystick DIN connector, so you can plug the joystick directly into the, the the cable there. So, and Stevie kind of played with both. They play about the same, but he was going through a bunch of different games uh, to see how well it controlled and stuff. Um, so, like in here, really in this case, he was playing download with the wall, <laughs> talking, and Sheldon was you know discussing games that he th thinks it really works well on helping play better, and some other ones where it doesn't work so good type things. So Stevie went through, I don't know, probably about a dozen games to, to try it out. Um, I don't know if Sheldon's selling these yet or not. If anybody else knows, they can chime in. But uh, it definitely looks like a nice device. It's nice and compact, too. So if you want to, like, haul joysticks around to a friend's place or something, they're nice and small and compact. So, And if for people like me that do prefer the thumb control versus, the, you know, the big honk and stick you got to hold with your whole hand, I mean, I used to use the Black Beauties, and I'd actually unscrew the top, so I'd get a little thumb control on there. And this must be a good controller, because Stevie's already made it, made it to level two. <laughs> and there Oops. he goes. Spoke, <laughs> spoke, too, spoke too soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's just call that barely to level two. But Yeah, it, it does seem to help. Like, I know Stevie played better downline than I, I've usually seen him play, so it, was, it does seem to be helping in his case especially. Except now this he's going was, the wrong direction. Okay. This game was specifically requested to be tested. Because that was one of the <laughs> ones that he was, uh, the, op, the joystick creator was targeting. Yeah. So he said, test downland. And here, this this has turned into a huge discussion. Um, Bill Pierce, a while ago, demonstrating oh. a hardware scroll. And uh, the for 512K, where he's doing some you know, graphics. He preloaded everything. He's not doing tiles or anything else. This is not the efficient way to write a game. It was just to do a demo. Hey, Curtis, can you tell us a little bit about Bill Pierce and his background and kind of preface this with that? Uh, sure. Um, Bill Pierce is a professional studio musician and studio... He actually has his own studio. He actually records for other bands and stuff. So him and Bruce Moore would probably get along really well. Um but he's been using Cocoa stuff for music for years. And actually when uh, Mike Knudsen got out of the Cocoa community when he retired, he uh, gave all the source code for Ultimuse, which is a MIDI sequencer uh, playing program, uh, series of programs actually for OS 9 that actually lets you do 16 voice MIDI and stuff. He gave it all to Bill Pierce, including all the graphical routines he did. So he's done M shell for OS 9, which is a, a GUI text-based GUI that does co file copying and, all kinds of stuff. It has a, a multi-format uh, music player that can play Lyra files and musical files and MIDI files and everything else too. Um, so he's been doing a lot of work on the OS 9 side of things. And this is actually was his first time to go back to, you know, doing an RS-DOS style program in, in decades, I believe. So he was just kind of fiddling around and he did this little scrolling demo. And then he did a oh, another one that actually uses two meg, because we have these two meg boards out now too. So he made this huge long scroll that you can just scroll back and forth. And he also changed the driver from basic uh, to machine language to speed it up and smooth it out a little bit. But I, I'm trying to remember who was the one. Was it Lord Dragon that actually found the quirk on the two meg boards, I think? But it, it came up in the discussion that if you kick the Coco 3 to single speed 0.895 megahertz not 1.78 
On a two meg board, if you start doing your video memory outside of the first 512K, all of a sudden it starts to do weird things. And basically what is happening as far as we can tell so far is that it'll, the Gimme, when it's doing video, will do 16 bits at a time. So two bytes worth of data, whether it's text mode or, or graphics mode. And basically it will start doing the first 16 bits are correct from whatever video bank you select. In this case, I think he was using video bank three because every 512K is a bank you can control the video from. You can only have it coming from one 512K bank at a time. And then it would pull the next 16 bits from bank zero again. And it should be grabbing them all from bank three. Now I know uh, Jim Brain actually has a Disto 2 meg board. So he actually uh, tried it on there and it does work properly on the Disto. It does not work properly on anything else. It does not work on the Cloud9 properly. It does not work on the Boomerang E2. Now, for me personally, this isn't a big deal because it works fine if you're running at two megahertz. Like if you've got the Coca 3 running at its native full speed, then it runs perfectly fine. Um, and I don't think I can name a single game author that would pr purposely make the Coco 3 run at half speed to do anything with you know, incredible graphics like this. So I don't mm. think it's an issue uh, for most people. I did try it under Nitrous 9 because Nitrous 9 actually does do its video memory at the end of your 2 meg and it does all your programs from the beginning of the 2 meg. And it actually does do the same problem on there too if you kick it down to single speed, which Nitrous 9 never does on its own. You have to go out of your way to do it. And like I said, for Coco 3 game developers, that's the same thing. I don't think anybody would purposely cut your machine speed in half. So uh, to me, it's more of a quirk of the design that maybe you should be aware of, but I don't think in, in real programs it's going to be an issue for anybody. I don't think people have to start returning all their 2-make boards and getting updates or anything like that. So for me, it was just it like runs, I said. And it runs fine with the uh, Gimme X installed with the 2-make board as well. With, yes. the, with the uh, boomerang board, it was at, at half speed. Yeah, if you're bypassing the DAT board, if you're going straight to the Gimme X, yeah, with the Gimme yeah, X yeah. is built in DAT, then it works. Hmm. So the current speculation from Ed Snyder, Jim Brain, and a few others is that it has something to do with the timing of the static RAM that the upgrades are using versus the dynamic RAM that we had in the old days, which sounds like it could be. And programs themselves run fine. You can load programs, RAM disks. You know, your data never gets corrupted. And even in this case, the screen looks corrupted. Nothing is corrupted as far as memory goes itself. It's just the display. You kick it right back into double speed again, and everything starts displaying totally fine, even if you're in the middle of running a program. So it's it's not causing any corruption issues or anything else except for the display itself. And the actual underlying video memory itself is also fine. So if you kick the speed back up, it just fixes itself and it's fine. Like I said, I don't think it's a huge deal to almost anybody at all. It's just a quirk that was discovered by accident when Bill did his little demo because he didn't kick it up to double double speed or whoever did discovered the quirk. I think it found out that it didn't work properly at, at single speed. So I don't know. Some of the hardware guys might figure what's going on and they may want to fix it just to be purists, but I don't think it's an issue. Yeah, it's probably not the kind of thing that most people are going to notice. Like you said, it's, uh, if, if you really wanted to notice it, you'd, you'd have to then purposely go in and, and slow um, your machine take down. Take out the yeah. high-speed poke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. That's that's my summary of it, I guess. Uh, the next one here, this was posted into Discord. Um, Steve Bamford has been working on a Halloween-themed level for his upcoming, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, Karuki Noshima Surki? Circe? Circe? Sure. Circe's <laughs> Island. <laughs> Which is a Game Master cartridge game. That actually is, I think, the best demo I've seen of what the Game Master cartridge can do 
for allowing you to run full speed graphics on a Cocoa One or Two while running multi voice music and sound effects from the Game Master cartridge sound chip. So I will play this. You'll have to tell me what the audio level in this is because it's actually separate from the other levels. Is that too loud or? Seems okay to me. Okay. Yeah. So imagine that like the music isn't perfect yet. He hasn't got a pitch perfect or anything. This is just more of a demonstration. But he actually took some of the game elements that he already had on previous demonstrations of this game, and then he added a bunch of Halloween things. He got tombstones, you got pumpkins, you got skulls, and all kinds of things. And he added some new game play mechanics based on some of these things. So actually, there's some additional play in the game. Uh, Bats carrying stuff too. So another one that's a contender for you know some palette changes on a Coco Free or Coco BGA. But he controls the palette's pretty good as it is. I mean, water's actually blue. Yeah, that's a very uh, um, sim chip, Commodore 64. Yeah, I mean, the Game Master cartridge's sound chip isn't as advanced as a SID, but it's it's up at the uh, Tandy speech sound pack level. Hmm. That music reminds me an awful lot of a Game Boy. Yeah. I mean, there's quite a few that use that sound chip back in the day, like in the early 80s. Some of the other machines use that exact same chip, so uh, it'll sound like a lot of them. And it gave you like a, uh, a noise channel and up to three you know, music channels. So, IBM PC Junior, Candy 1000. Yep, exactly. There's some other ones, too. I can't remember off the top of my head. but So what, what is the chip? It's an AY. What is it, Mark? Do you remember? Nope, nope. It's a TI. Or TI? Oh, it's like a okay. 76... 496 or something like that. I was just going to post a link to it. What he said. Okay. And yeah. I know uh, Neil had uh, put a po picture on Facebook here. He's actually manufacturing a bunch of the bear uh, GMC cards right now uh, as part of his winter project since it's, you know, it's, you don't go outside in Canada when it's winter unless <laughs> you're playing hockey or something. <laughs> um, so he's got a bunch of those actually getting manufactured so that if people want to start developing or you know, and you actually, you know, selling game cartridges using that GMC sound chip built onto it. There's going to be a bunch of them available right away. And Retro this Innovations, uh, actually helping us out for a change, posted the the chip number. Oh, okay. I'm not used to him being helpful. So I know. That's kind of a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like I mentioned at the at the top of the segment for this particular game here, this is one of the best uses of the GMC I've seen. This this is actually looks like an awesome game using it to its full potential with full multi-voice and sound effects. So it's, it's, a good, it's a good showcase for the GMC. Yeah, and, it, and it's being marketed as, as being com with, uh, compatible with the Dragon, uh, with several of the, of the Color Computer clones. And, yeah. you know, if it's packaged together as a nice physical product, uh, could be quite a worldwide release. Could sell a lot of copies. Circe's Island got a lot of attention at VCF West where we were proud to be able to demo it for Steve Bamford. And that was previous to the, the Halloween extensions he's added too, right? Correct. Yeah, but it did have the, the uh, GMC, Coco GMC support. So it was great. A lot of people saw that and they were, they recognized, you know, the, the type of art. And so they're trying it out. So it was really cool. Cool. I'd, I'd like to see what he does with the Coco VGA version with, you know, settable palettes and stuff too, to make it look really spiffy. And this was one I just stumbled onto this morning I hadn't seen before. Um, now, did, you, did you stumble upon it because it was lying on the floor? No, I stumbled on it because I was waiting for you guys to start the darn show because you were running late. So. Oh. Um, <laughs> actually, you guys were only late by a couple minutes, so actually give me time to get caught up. 
Um, so this is a, a, a YouTube channel I've not seen before called Canadian Retro Things. And this is called Looking at My Tier City MC10 Part 1. So he kind of goes through you know, a little bit of the history of it and what it's capable of. And uh, he's got the 16K RAM expansion pack, not shown at this particular moment in time, and a cassette deck and the cassette cable. So he actually was able to load a couple of games. One of them he actually loaded was the uh, version of Minefield that uh, Ken Reichardt did. So he actually you know, plugged a Ken there. Now, one thing odd about this one, and I'm not going to play the whole video. You guys can watch it. And this is only part one. He's planning to do more with it. He's got... An MC10 apparently has been modified because when he powers it on and does a print mem, he's getting 8K. Now, the MC10 only came with 4K. And if he plugs in the RAM expansion pack, it only goes to 20. It doesn't go to 24. So there's some little weird things happening there. The other thing I noticed, and you guys that have MC10s on the panel that have the 16K RAM pack, tell me if this is true on yours or not. He's getting a lot of video corruption if he plugs the 16K RAM pack in and starts running stuff in graphics modes or even in text modes. He's getting a lot of like weird garbage on the screen and stuff. He's calling it interference. To me, it looks like the memory mapping for video is not working properly. And I do know the MC10 originally is hardwired that the original 4K you have is the only thing you can get video from. I think whoever modified the internals to get 8K off a of start didn't extend that to the video modes. So then when he's trying to run like the Pac-Man game, I'll show that in just a little bit here. It gets really, really corrupted. Like it's almost impossible to read or play. Um, have you any of you guys had any experience with that? Does the 16 RAM pack cause interference on the screen in any way? Nope, not played it enough, evidently. Crickets. I don't have the original. I have I have um, the MCX. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, but no, you haven't seen any corruption on that either, right? No. Okay, so I will show you a little bit of a demonstration of what I'm talking about here. So he's got some demos of some of the stuff, like you know, space salt that got ported to it and stuff. And here he is when he's put the 16K RAM pack in and he's got a print map, he's getting the, the 20K basically. But you can see these little white or yellow uh, squares on the screen there. Yeah. Means there's only like, 20K. It keeps going, which means flashing around. And when you get into a graphics mode, K of like the Pac-Man game, which I'll see if I can find here in a sec. Well, first I'll show Ken, Ken's game. I don't know if you guys have seen this one. I don't know how long ago we released it. Now, what percentage of machine language is this game? This one from, from Ken? And, and zero. And basic. Zero yeah, percent? 100% basic and no machine language. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> and it's called Freeway. It's kind of a Frogger-style game where you're trying to go up the screen and dodging things that are moving back and forth here. Four points by game. And that works fine. And right now, he does not have the 16K expansion. So he's running as an 8K, quote-unquote, MC10. But when he tries the Pac-Man game, which normally would look really good, like here he's got the 16K expansion plugged in, and he's playing the Ken or uh, uh, the Minefield game, and you can see all the yellow crap coming out on the screen. Mm. And when you play the Pac-Man game, which actually is running you know, high-res graphics, it gets far, far worse. Let's see if I can find that. I played the uh, Pac-Man game, and I don't get anything like that. Like, this is what he's getting there. I'm pretty no. sure the whoever upgraded the 8K, it's not tying in the video RAM correctly because that's not interference. That's It's not mapping the video RAM that's at all. That's corruption, correctly. yeah, yeah. It's like the two oh, RAMs yeah, are right. colliding with each other. Yeah. Maybe he's got a bad RAM oh, yeah. pack. And this happens when you plug the 16K in. Well, I, it could be that too, I guess. Or it's the fact that his has been modified to have 8K base machine. And the 16K RAM pack might be trying to address itself as if it's... You know, if you got 4K built in, here's the extra 16, you're up to 20. 
maybe the 4K collision, because he's only getting 20K in basic if he has the 16K pack in. And because he has 8K, he should be getting 24K, not 20. So I'm That's wondering if the two 4K chunks are overlapping each other and just doing this. Could be. Yeah, yeah, Does MC10 yeah. behave like the Sinclair where you plug in the address or the expansion pack, it shuts off the internal RAM? No, it, it, it adds add to, to it. It no, adds it to is. it. But your video RAM has to be in the first 4K on a stock MC10. I know some people modified it to, you know, they put RAM expansions inside and tied the video to it so your VDG can do a P mode 4 or P mode 3 properly. Yeah, I bet you the two RAMs are colliding with each other then in that 4K block. It certainly looks like it. I wonder what would happen if you run a... Is there a RAM... I suppose it'd be a RAM test utility for the MC team. Wonder if, wonder if you could run some kind of a test utility on it and see what it comes up with. Yeah. Getting more comments in chat. Yeah, people have not seen that happen with theirs. And uh, Jim says he suspects it's a, a, conf a conflict. Okay. A conflict. At any rate, I, pu I put a... I, I just posted a message to him this morning to mention our show and that you should pop by and check it out. But also that we have some people that actually do know some of the MC10 hardware. So if he if he wants some help in trying to get that fixed up, he might have to remove the 8K or maybe it just has to rewire something inside of there to, to get it to run properly. I know some people have put internal memory up to like 64K and they're you know, hacking it in and enabling the VDG to access it. So you can you know, basically have the equivalent of a Copa 1 uh, VDG-wise, so... I just thought it was interesting because I hadn't seen too many people upgrade an MC10 to 8K internally before. That was, that was interesting. I think if you remove the MC10, you would solve the, the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it just leaves the RAM chips. <laughs> could we have somebody check in on Jim and make sure he's okay because he's being helpful in chat today? Ah. Yeah, he might get you know, gravely ill, you know, brain tumor or something. Uh, Jim, yeah. bra Jim Brain may, uh, may be... Uh, I mean, he might have the flu. He might. And here's one of those surprises from this morning from uh, Simon Jonason. Uh, a little something I've been tinkering with for a while in the shadows. Let's see what may or may not become of it. Uh, unfortunately, he was on earlier, but he said he had to go spend some time with the family, so he's not on to answer questions about it, but I will play it here. The, the uh, take my money <laughs> meme down the bottom. <laughs> and Facebook's stupid, so it paused. Now, this reminds me of Raimi's demo that he did quite a while ago of doing kind of a Mario style. Now, he had it running at full speed going across with animated tiles and stuff here, but this is an early one. But he's got some really nicely drawn graphics here. It's really intricate. Now, this, so it's not quite the same as the uh, Hugo game, but it kind of reminded me of that. Uh, we haven't had an update from Hugo to Fort on his game in a while. Yeah, that's true. And Ramey just did his uh, a demonstration, and I think Dynasprite has a similar demonstration too, if I remember. Yes, it does. And the last one, and this is one just came into Discord just as the show was starting. Um, we've got our friend... Ben Drakes, who's got that nice video uh, VR system where you get so goggles on and you get to walk on the platform and turn around and everything else in, in real life to play the game. And he's done Phantom Slayer before, which is another Ken Kalish game. Now, before Ken did Phantom Slayer, who's typing? If, if you're typing, please mute your mic. Um, my, my apologies. That was me. I was clicking Cocoa buttons. Sorry. That's all okay. mute. Uh, so earlier, before he released 
uh, Phantom Slayer, he, he had the engine, the 3D engine that he uses in Phantom Slayer is basically what he used in Escape. And this is a game where you're trying to escape from a building. You've got elevators to deal with, which are not in Phantom Slayer, but you've also got the standard maze stuff. So uh, Ben made a video with his VR system playing Escape on it. And he's, you can see he's using some of the custom palettes on the Coco VGA, too. I think he's using the same ones that Nick and I did for Phantom Slayer. I, I really hope, like he's get, said, he's got some of these VR things situated in the States, and occasionally he has to fly down to the States to demonstrate them for corporate. I would really like to get the chance to meet him at some point and have some of us Cocoers go meet him as well and actually try out the real VR with some of the old Coco games. That would be just wild. And Ben, if you're watching, feel free to drop in and just uh, see, you know, let us know how it was playing this game versus Phantoms or some of the other ones you've tried. I don't know if too many of you people have, have seen Escape too. It's one of the rare titles from Ken. All right. That is the news for today. Good job, Ben. Hmm. Very cool. <clears throat> Any questions? About Trinity says it's his uh, death wish to leave us leave the cocoa folks a small token of value, small being the operative word. <laughs> uh, oh. Mark uh, Mark, did you want to talk about any six five oh two news? Sure. It's my turn? Sure. You 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 have anything uh, visual? You're just going to talk to us about some Apple and Commodore stuff that came out. Yeah, I could probably do that. No Apple stuff. It's Commodore stuff. And yeah, we're not long on a break. I'll keep this short. Um, yeah, sure. Um, actually, I can share a window. I think. I'm going to push the right button. Uh, let's see here. Share. <laughs> wow, I've got so many screens to choose from. I'll take this one. Okay. So what this is, good. this is a emulator for the Commodore 64 called Vice, and it is compiled for Linux because that's what I'm running at the moment. And what the application looking at is basically a Yahtzee game. Uh, and it's being developed by a guy by the name of Daniel England. He lives in Australia. And he posted a couple of weeks ago in the Commodore group on Facebook that he wants to do a networked Yahtzee game. Uh, and it's actually a platform to work on to other things. But anyway, um, it basically uses the function keys. You have a login area. It looks something like that. Basically, uh, currently we're hosting the server. Um, it's actually written in Delphi or Pascal. Um, there's also a Windows client. There's actually an Android client also. Uh, and then the C64 client's written in assembly language. Um, and so I had him uh, do a command line version of uh, the server that could be run under Linux. And I'm running it on my uh, server called playclassics.net. So you can see there's a host name, and then you put in your username, and you connect. Anyway, the chat appears to be working. The actual game uh, looks something like this. There's a game called Test. Hey, uh, Mark, uh, any way you increase your yeah. microphone volume? We've got some people in the chat, um, so they can't hear you. Okay, any better? A little bit yeah, better, yeah. It was too loud for other things. I had it turned down. Anyway, so I uh, just started to join join a game here and press F7. 
And then that's what the screen looks like when you're uh, waiting for the other players to join. It's designed for six players per game. Um, so I don't have anybody else playing right now. But anyway, it actually works. I actually play Yahtzee. So I've been trying it out, looking for more people. Uh, it's not a Cocoa project, but it could be. Uh, anyway, a pretty simple exchanging information, messages with the server. So it'd be very possible to write a Cocoa client or clients for other things too. And uh, Curtis, I would think this would be uh, probably easy to do over o- OS 9. Oh, very. Yeah, if it's just a straight serial port type stuff, yeah, it would be pretty pretty yeah. simple to do. Exactly. And it's not like speed-based. You know, you're know, you mainly waiting for the other person to make their moves. So. Yeah, it's turn-based, so it's perfect for yeah, that. It's like the old Star Trader games we used to have on some of the old exactly. DBSs too. Okay, I think we're getting a little uh, background noise from a very special guest. Uh, you might have heard of him. His name's Steve Strobridge. Stevie, are you out there? Hey, what's going on, Coco Losers? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Stevie. <laughs> the show's gone downhill. We're, we're talking about Commodores at this point. Well, I thought it was going downhill because I just joined. <laughs> <laughs> well, that definitely aids it. That's true. And who let him in? <laughs> yeah, right? I was listening uh, to the news segment. There's a lot of good stuff. Well, Some of it you. was even true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no fake news. <laughs> thank you, uh, Stevie, for your work uh, this week with the Coco BGA project. Oh, yeah, yeah. It inspired me to start a project, which I got sidetracked on because of work. Your video, Stevie, was put, I was mentioned earlier in the show. Was, that was perfect timing for me because I was just looking into the very same thing for my um, music software I'm writing for my Coco. So you've inspired me there as well with, the, with looking at you using the editor and changing text characters. That's exactly what I'm looking at doing. Yeah, it's very handy. Yeah, I ended up staying up till about 2 in the morning designing fonts and graphics. Once I got started, I couldn't stop, you know. I can understand that. <laughs> yeah, thanks for reviewing Sheldon's joysticks too. Yeah, that was good. That was good. I enjoyed it. It was really good hearing uh, Morgan's enthusiasm on there, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was really impressed when I saw that demo at Coco Fest this year. And there's another one they did with, they had like this uh, kind of like a Wiimote. It's like gyroscopic, and you could move it around in the air. And it was updating a kaleidoscope on the Coco screen. So that was pretty cool, too. Hmm. Okay. Uh, if I, I would, I would encourage you to go on mute, uh, Stevie, if you're, I think we have some background noise coming from, from you earlier, uh, but, uh, please, uh, stay on the panel and chime in. Maybe you already did. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's taking your advice. And <laughs> um, well, so the Coco VGA yes, is sir. Coco 2. Oleums, right? Cocoa 1, 2, and Dragon and TDP, yes. So the things that the Cocoa VGA are capable of with redefining your text characters, Matt, will the Gimme X also support that? So the same things can be done on the Cocoa 3? I know it's capable hardware-wise of doing it. I don't know if that's fully supported. I had asked Ed a while ago if you could say redefine the Gimme character set as well. Because it seems like we got a sort of a new direction kind of going with the Cocoa 1 and 2 with new possibilities of redefining the characters. So it's almost like it would be nice if... Well, it'd be really helpful for for using the OS 9 hardware font um, and being able to change that, right? Well, just the Cocoa 3 hardware font in general. I mean, you could do a rogue game in basic 
if you can redefine the font. It'd be really handy too, just to, you know, for anyone who wants to write um, Coco One Two with a Coco VGA, like software specifically for it, and then wants to run the same thing on Coco Three. Like I've got a Coco Three here, and I'm planning on getting a Gimme X for it. So, if I can write my software to run on the Coco One, and then run that same software unmodified on the Coco Three with a Gimme X, that would be really nice. There, there's no physical reason that the Gimme X cannot do that. And Ed had kind of hinted that he was talking about having even the Gimme character set as a redefinable. I don't know if that's actually what they've done or if they're allowing you to redefine the Coco 1 and 2 modes, though I do know, you know, all the semi-graphics modes that are missing on the Coco 3 are on their Gimme X. So I guess Ed would be the best one to ask. Um, just to, just before we move on, Mark, did you did you get to finish your segment? I had to cut quickly, Stevie, because there was a lot of noise coming from him. So, did we? Uh, do you feel you no, got? I didn't, I didn't have anything more to contribute at this time. Okay. <clears throat> uh, we're still yeah, basically alpha testing stuff. Um, it doesn't crash most of the time. So, um, but yeah, and it plays pretty well. Actually, it's pretty quick, and uh, I should start looking at the protocol and see if I can get somebody to help with making a Cocoa version of it. So. Okay, and that um, you know that's something I talked about with Dave Phillipson. The need to have color computers connected um, 100% of the time uh, to mm-hmm. have internet connectivity. Uh, mm-hmm. Chet Simpson brought up earlier before we went live just that we need to get what is it P51 Mustang Curtis uh, is the yeah, game yeah P51 was the yep. network game yeah we we had several of them we had we had um, a checkers game an Othello game a chess game that was all sold by the same company I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head that actually had head to head modem play and we had P51 two player yeah. over modem okay two, yeah and then P51 which also did the same and then we had some AlphaSoft BBS had a Star Trader game that if I'm trying to remember I know it was turn based and players could log in and take turns but I think if you actually ran a multi user because you did have multi user chat rooms and stuff so if you had multiple phone lines you could actually have everybody chat at once. I think his game even supported multiplayer simultaneously. I'd cool. have to double check on that, but uh, there's no reason you couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm stuck in Mark's view too, there, Nick. Okay. Yeah, so I stopped sharing. Okay. Here, why don't we try? I have no pin option for. Uh, in the- yes, same here. Yeah. Here, I, I switched to uh, Curtis and then oh, I switched better. back. Did, okay. did it help? Now I do. That's, yeah, it's working now. That's okay. Good. That's inside oh, baseball. The, everybody was probably working fine for everybody watching the stream. Yeah. Okay. Uh, why don't we take? Hey, Nick Marentes, you out there? And we didn't we didn't say hello to John Lorry. Sorry about that, John. Oh no, that's okay. I was uh, I was here for a while, and then I had to go, and then I came back. So it's probably why you missed me. But hi, everybody. Hey, John. Uh, yeah, and uh, I just came in and actually when uh, Curtis was going over the, uh, the thing about the MC10 on that uh, retro, that Canadian retro channel, and uh, I'm in agreement. Uh, I think the solution there would be to undo whatever hack was done to extend the memory on it. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. It's causing mm-hmm. more problems than it's worth. And uh, as far as the Gimme X is concerned, I want one yesterday. <laughs> that late? I wanted one way before that. So, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Okay, so yeah. he'll sell one or two anyway. Oh, geez. yeah. <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm hoping that Ed will at some point at least tell us, you know, the full capabilities. Because I mean, I, I know he's mentioned the fact that he was thinking about doing the uh, overriding the Gimme's font. 
Well, I certainly didn't mean to add to the wish list at this point of the game. I was just curious. Well, he talked about it quite a while ago with me. It wasn't an official thing that was going to happen. He said, yes, he's definitely capable of doing that. He's he's thought about it. I don't know how big the FPGA they're using and how much room they have on that. But, I mean, you could have redefinable VDG fonts to be compatible to Cocoa VJ, and you could have redefinable fonts to Cocoa 3 to extend that. There's a whole bunch of possibilities of that thing. That thing could be just a monster. I just know how much developers love uh, user wish lists. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, I have some uh, experience with that with ease of use, yeah. Ken Riker just <laughs> wanted, to, wanted to ask, will the memory hack affect the MC10's use holding doors open? The internal one, <laughs> I don't think will. The external one will allow you to hold a window wider open by about the width of the cartridge. So, it, yeah, it can. can. <laughs> you love the MC10, stop. And just since we're going down, <laughs> since, since we're going down the MC10 rabbit hole, uh, the MC10 cannot run OS nine because it the six eight oh three is basically a sixty eight hundred. Is that correct? Um, for OS nine itself, yes. But Microware before they actually made OS nine for six eight nine back in seventy nine when the company was first formed at the university, it actually had I think it was called RTOS real time operating system for the sixty eight hundred. So if that got ported, you would have a multitasking OS for the MC10 with enough RAM. Okay. Yeah, that's another thing. Another thing that the, the, the memory limitations on it are, are kind of holding it back. Uh, yeah, I know some people have hacked the actual MC10 to have 64K internally. It's not impossible, and they've even extended the video memory so you can actually do P mode four, and you don't have to restrict it to the 4K. RAM, but that's that's way beyond my technical expertise. I'd be soldering my hair by that point. There, <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I didn't realize that there was limitations as to how the VDG was tied to memory. Uh, yeah, because the, the color computer, you can point the VDG anywhere. Yeah, within uh, your sixty-four K space. Right. I'm sure it was to protect the uh, cocoa market share. Best <laughs> yeah. Or or Tandy just being cheap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there might have been well, an extra chip they had to add or something, maybe a, another line soldered in. You gotta remember the uh, whole nickel. point behind the MC ten was to, you know, the ninety-nine dollar or hundred and nineteen dollar yep. price point. Yeah, so. yeah. Every one of those nickels yeah. adds up. Yeah, and oh, if I you know. go and pimp them all up, you might as well just go and buy a Coco one. <laughs> if it would have come out a couple years earlier, it probably would have been successful. Cool. Yeah, but it came out with oh, the, yes. the the ZX or ZX eighty. Or 81 originally 81. came out in 80 and 81. Yep, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, well I, think, I think the, the, the problem with it was uh, just by the time that it came out, the price of the color computer uh, had come down so much. Because, you know, remember the original mm. 4K color computer was like 500 bucks. Yeah. Uh, so $100, yeah. $120 MC10 would have been a neat option. But when the, the MC10 came out, the Color computer was down to around two hundred bucks at that point, so it was just a few oh. dollars extra to get a full blown Coco. Also, the ZX eighty one TS one thousand had moved on to the twenty twenty sixty eight or whatever, and the the yes, not Spectrum, Spectrum and their sex, yeah, their yeah, with the button chiclet keys anyway. So it's like, yeah, it was too little, too late is basically what happened there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, there is hope for MC10 users. Someday they might be able to run OS9. Well, the MCX128, I'm assuming, is 128K. Is that right? Or? I think Gosh. so. I haven't, I haven't got an MC10, so I can't tell you. Oh. But I know Zipster Zone has a pretty good description of it. It's got a, quite a few options built in. It's got extended basic, so it adds in a lot of the 
graphic drawing commands and stuff yes. that are missing supports for the higher res modes that can fit in 4K. You get a large base with 40K. I seem to recall uh, watching a video once too, where somebody had a, uh, um, a three and a half inch drive working on an MC. Yeah, I, I've seen that video too. Somebody actually did add a floppy drive controller to it. So you I think that was uh, Roger, Roger Perea. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, or, or when I saw that, I was I thought that was neat when I saw it, but it doesn't look like it ever really went anywhere. And the MCX has ROM support built into it because it has an extended basic ROM and an extra ROM on it uh, that supports its own drive wire style protocol too. So you can actually host your files on a PC and load them on the MC10. Well, somewhere out there in the in the uh, internets, I can hear Steve Bjork's head exploding with all this MC10 talk. <laughs> so why don't we? Uh, hey, Nick Marentes, you're out there. Nick. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, why don't we do this? Uh, why don't we Why don't we run the outro? Come back with final thoughts. And I was thinking you might give us a preview of some of the work you've been doing on Gunstar that we might see in a in an upcoming video uh, from you. Is that Would that be okay? Uh, preview. Uh, like just uh, you know, give us a give us a few bullet points about what you've been working on. Is that uh, uh, all right? Yeah, we'll wing it. Yep. No all right. Worries. So let's uh, <laughs> let's take. <laughs> sound, star wing it. Get sounds it. really excited. <laughs> you sound as excited as David Latt. Uh, we'll we'll be right back. We after this uh, outro and then some final thoughts from the panel. Crikey. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Cause Coco Talk is rocking the eight bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit world. Keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Cause Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit world. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marentes, Rondell Vaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Stegney, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. 
The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Changes every so often, anyway, as new people get added. And yeah, we're back. I would have to manually update it. And to answer your question, Stevie, I don't think anyone could hear the terribly offensive comments that you were saying during the commercial break. So, but I am offended. Yeah. <laughs> this is the snowflake edition of Coco Talk. <laughs> I am triggered beyond. <laughs> and Retro Innovation says, finally, the good part of the show. The end. <laughs> it's also yep. one of the longest. Uh, well, I'm being very selfish here because I, I am a big, uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Nick uh, Morentes and his uh, upcoming game, Gunstar. And I'd really like to hear kind of what you've been working on, Nick, and give us a little, give us a taste Give us a little, uh, give the people a taste of what you're working on so we can have something to look forward to for next week. All right. Okay. Well, I've been working uh, busily in the background here and it's been progressing quite, quite well. Uh, I haven't done any blogs to explain it all because I'm at a point of the game whereby I'm trying to keep it as a bit more of a surprise for people playing it so they can discover the, the game for themselves. But basically, all four levels of Gunstar are in. Uh, the game over sequence is in, and I'm basically toying, tying up all the loose ends. Uh, just this morning, I added the uh, an option in the game, for example, to choose difficulty levels. Now, yes. one of the one, <laughs> one of the, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a reflex action. One of the things I noticed in uh, Popstar Pilot, uh, my previous game, was that. A lot of I was surprised by how many people couldn't get past level one. I, I, <laughs> I couldn't understand. I can do that almost blindfolded. So clearly, I have to try and make the game cater for a wider game playing skill set. Everything from you know the top player right down to the loser. So <laughs> loser level, I don't care. So, I will gladly play well, loser well, level. You'll you'll be happy with the changes I did. Uh, Gunstar has an option at the very start of the game to choose between two game modes, and they are called Wimp Mode and Hero Mode. So, <laughs> okay, that's not passive aggressive. That's aggressive. <laughs> Just for you, Nick and Steve. But I don't care. <laughs> you choose I'm, I'm the wimp mode. And in yeah. wimp mode, it just sets a few parameters in the game to be a little bit easier, uh, like less firing uh, from the aliens and, you know, basically make a few things easier to play. But but as a... Um, um, t so that not, not everyone just plays wimp mode to just get through the game. One restriction is that if you play wimp mode, you do not enter your name in the high score. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, you that's still right. see all the so, bosses and everything. Well, else. you still get to see the levels, and it's you know it's a bit of an easier game. But yeah, if you want to be able to get onto the high score, you have to play the hero mode. Does it say so, you don't deserve so, to record your name, yeah. user? <laughs> so yeah, basically, it's a whole lot of little tying up to complete the game now. So. Uh, it is very close, and uh, how much will this abuse cost us? 
This would be. <laughs> <laughs> you are really. What are you? He really is on fire today. <laughs> so yeah, the game. The game is uh, getting close to completion. Uh, I will be starting then a pretty detailed game testing uh, r- uh, regime to test it all, just to get uh, the game flowing correctly and uh, the level to be at the right difficulty level to suit everything from professional to loser. <laughs> <laughs> so your beta testers will involve both camps and people that are well, They will, fairly- yes, that's right. So hurry up and get that 6309, Nicholas. Yeah. <laughs> How about a suicide? I may have to play it in a while. <laughs> suicide. That could easily be done, but yeah, that is pretty suicidal. I may have to go emulator for a little, at least a little while. Yeah, but but yeah, it's coming along. You you can actually play a whole game now, but yeah, it's just the 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 final touches still to go in and little cosmetic changes here and there, you know. So, hey, Nick, do you yeah. have um, any like children around your place that can uh, actually sit down and try it? Or is this more adult oriented, do you think? Well, the thing or, is, the children usually play it really well, but uh, yeah, they can do the iceberg uh, level. It's I it's 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 <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm gonna do this wimp mode as well. <laughs> You have to have a, a kids mode on it too, one that's above expert level that, that, that only you know anyone <laughs> less than fifteen years old can can complete. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully this will cater for a wider audience. But yeah, that's a that's about all I've got going at the moment. Um, Powered by Vegemite. Yeah, well, we probably could stick a Vegemite jar in space there and blow it up. I suppose <laughs> be a black hole, and at the yeah, end. that's it. That's the black hole. <laughs> Each physical CD comes with a jar of vegetables. <laughs> hey, the first. Well, I was going to order the game until you said that. Now I don't want anymore. <laughs> I just but, send you send your tin, tin of Vegemite to me, jar of Vegemite to me. I'll have it. <laughs> so instead of if you of don't like cup, the game, then you might like the Vegemite. So instead of a cup, uh, the first winner of the game would get a can of that. Well, that's right. Yeah, that's 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 even better than the uh, the cup of douchebaggery, isn't it? The uh, yeah. yes. <laughs> and, and if you went into expert mode, then they also send you a free stomach pump to go along with the good jar of Vegemite. So. <laughs> How much does a Vegemite cost? Uh, yeah, four five four five dollars Australian. Yeah, it depends on the on the jar size. It depends on the size, yeah. How does it compare to spam? Yeah. No. Spam. Oh, About the same it. price? Oh. Yeah. And this would be dressing dressing for the meat. Meat like product. <laughs> Vegemite. No. Oh. <laughs> Vegemite is, uh, is, is, yeah, I, I'll take Vegemite any day over spam. <laughs> so people don't cook spam or put it on bread? Like no, the they, just clear, they just clear it out of their inbox. <laughs> so, do I answer all oh, your questions, was... uh, Robert? That's a good update. You gave a lot of uh, good information. Are, are, Nick, are you still planning on releasing your <laughs> your map editor and stuff too, or 
Uh, or Tyler, not, you're talking about maybe releasing really, as a separate thing. Nah. But no. Yeah. But you, but you yeah, would that, sell it. No, no, I don't think it's really necessary. Yeah. Otherwise, you get a whole lot of bastardizations of the game. So. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Big West Purdue in the chat says, I remember how badly I wanted to get the 512K RAM upgrade back in the day. As a young computer user of the, the humble proletarian background, I'll have to look that word up, uh, it was 128K for me. So I think he's saying he couldn't afford uh, the 512K back in the day, and I don't think most of us could. I did eventually get, um, I eventually did get that. Uh, and then found pretty quickly I had to have a fan pointed at my uh, computer 100% of the time. Uh, but I didn't have that problem with my 12, and I got it pretty early on. Actually, I got it a Disto one, and it, it ran fine for you. Yeah, I had the Tandy, the Tandy model. What was the guy from the White North? What was the multi interface? I remember having to send my MPI away to Is that for the gimme? Sorry, what was that? You were cutting out of there a bit, Nick. I had to send my official MPI away to get fixed too for the radio shot. Is that because of the gimme? Yeah, there's some places where it started ghosting over. Um, uh, Kevin Darling had a really good explanation, but actually, it, it could cause some hardware problems. It also caused some conflicts between stuff in different slots, and and some hardware that wasn't fully decoded would ghost over into some of the new gimme registers, and it could cause problems. So. Recommended to get it fixed. It didn't cause problems for most people. It depended on what hardware mixture of cards you had. But some things it actually did start screwing up. Yeah, I used it for pretty much uh, 30 years without upgrading. Yeah. It depended on how decoded your hardware cards that you had in your multi-pack were. Cart game cartridges, it had no problems with at all. That, that You didn't need the upgrade for that, but some of the hardware cards you did. But I think the upgrade was only for the original style multi-pack the new square or the newer square one was already fixed no even the the smaller yeah. one also had to have a fix as well yeah yeah the pal okay. upgrade the pal chip had to be upgraded. okay well we had, we had a nice uh two and a half hours pretty pretty well paced there's a couple of audio issues that uh apologize for uh but a uh, action-packed news-packed show the one thing we didn't get to, Curtis, is uh, the update on Oregon Trail. I don't know if we want to save that for next week. Um, is Paul's not on here anyway? Paul's so not, not on. Too much. So I mean, I did cover it in the news somewhat. I covered. Uh, yeah, we showed the video. Get him on here. Yeah. Okay, so maybe next week we'll go over uh, any updates. I think yeah, we did talk about the uh, article on the internet. Vintage is the new old, and yeah, yeah. you did. Plus, talk. we played the video that he put of you know. Playing, playing it so far as he'd gotten at the point he did the video, but we'd really like to get him on to talk about where he's taking it. Oh, that's true. Know, yeah, I think I, when it's done, I think I slept through that part of the news. Uh, so <laughs> I guess we covered it. Well, any any other last words from the panel? Or I think we could, uh, what I'd like to do is play uh, Coco Thoughts again and then hit the button. I think it's a good way to end the show since it's kind of a interesting... Uh, Coco thoughts uh, this week. So, any other thoughts before we do that? I cringe every time you guys mispronounce Oregon. <laughs> or e oh. How do we Oregon? Uh, Oregon. Oregano. 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 
or oregano <laughs> if you're in the. Mark's going to have to check you. I'm just watching Mark's head explode at this point. So, actually, I was born here, and I live here. All right. Can we just call it Portlandia? Yeah. Do you think that makes you an expert on it? or No, I'm just kidding. Also, is it Nevada <laughs> or Nevada? I've always been told Nevada. Nevada. Chet can answer was, that one. Wasn't it, wasn't yeah. it named after a president? O'Reagan? O'Reagan. O'Reagan. Oh, sorry, sorry. O'Reagan. All right, well, so I Chet, think... what's the official pronunciation of Nevada, Nevada? Yeah, you're not dragging me into that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, a controversy that uh, Chet's not going to go into. I'll just call it Casinoville. That's what I'll call it. Uh, I, I was born here. I call it whatever I want. <laughs> Arizona's dry heat. That's right. So actually, uh, Big West Purdue had a question I'd like an answer to is uh, – uh, there was a guy on uh, YouTube that was putting a uh, PC into a cocoa shell. Yep. But, uh, did he come up with a part two on that or how far did he get? I haven't seen anything yet. So I'm not sure how far he's gotten on that or if he's, he, he does a lot of others, that type of rebuilding videos too, for other platforms as well. So he might be jumping between them before he gets back to the cocoa. I'm not sure. David's working on that. Uh, not quite. I'm putting a cocoa into a model four. Oh, yeah, similar, putting transplanting computers, but this is all completely retro. One oh. last thing I would like to say before we do push the button too, if John Strong is listening, um, I know I'm sort of nagging and nagging and nagging, but if you do happen to have an update, John, about the uh, Coco Play command from the um, Mega Mini MPI from the OPL3 chip, I have the new hardware for my... Um, for the uh, converter from Coco Sound 2, my modular synthesizer is here. So I'm hoping to get some work on that and have an update for next show. Okay. Well, uh, maybe we'll hear from, from John Strong next week. Just want to thank some of the people in the chat before we go. Uh, Big West Purdue uh, with some more comments. Uh, I think he's talking about uh, putting a modern PC into a Coco shell. I'm not sure about that, uh, Big West, but it... Uh, I know it's been done the other way around. Uh, Ken Riker would like us to re remind us that Samuel Gimes is a hack. That's pretty rude. That is rude. Al Hartman. Al Hartman from Jersey has been in the chat. He says spam's very popular in Hawaii and Philippines. That's, that's very true. I actually enjoy some of my spam treats that I have uh, when I've been in uh, Honolulu. Um, we know we... Can, can rename Oregon Trail Oregon Trail, and then it could be about zombies. Thank you, Big West, for that comment. <laughs> Good alternative there, yeah. Good alternative. I can pronounce Oregon. Uh, Marmite, a lot of fans of Marmite spam. I think that's a pretty rude uh, comment about spam uh, and digestion. Is that after eating it or instead of eating it? I think he just wants you to flush it. <laughs> that's a double entendre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Retro Innovations was in the chat. Uh, Mark D. Overholzer, Ken Reichert, Ken Reichert, Ken can make it. We didn't. We didn't learn today. We don't know, but he. We know he can. He can chat. Uh, let's see. Fred Dufas posting links and Carl Doherty. I hope I'm saying that right, uh, Carl. Thank you for joining. Matchy was in the chat, and Nick Maroda. Nick Maroda. Simon Jonathan was here. Um, one more. 
<laughs> you know, I like hearing my name. One more. I think Nick Marota was I mean, here. I mean, you can check right. the guy who likes hearing his uh, name. Hey, uh, uh, after a few minutes here, we're going to have to play the end credits again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> end credits. Uh, uh, Retro Innovation says he was being so helpful because he's on, it's his death wish that he leaves the Coco folks some value, some small token of value, small being the operative word. And um, we certainly hope that that's not true. We need a, a Jim Brain's future innovations, whatever those are. Stevie Strobridge was here. Uh, Mark, Mark B. Hello, hello. Pete, Peter Willard. <laughs> Stevie and, has an MC10 uh, picture on his. Uh, that's right. Yep. That's right. Uh, thank you to everybody. I won't read everybody else in the chat, but Mandaleo420, uh, thank you for being in the chat. Any last words, Stevie? We're gonna we're gonna go to Coco Thoughts and then hit the button. Stevie Strobridge. Press the button, Frank. Press the button, Frank. All right. <laughs> going to now. I'm going to try to lower the. We're going to go to Coco Thoughts, and I'm going to I'm going to drop the volume on there, so it should sound normal. Here we go. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Many people think 13 is an unlucky number, but I'm not superstitious. <laughs>